Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. David, hi, John. Good to see you guys. Hi, Good to see you. Hi, Christine. Hi, Hillary. Hi, Candy. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Good to see you. And let's see if we can get other people going here. The waiting room has kind of filled up. Hey, Mike, how are you? Hi, Dave. Shabbat shalom. Hi, Brian. Hi, Chris. Shabbat shalom, Dr. P. Shabbat shalom. Hi, Alicia. How are you? Uh, three hours sleep, but I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's my kind of spirit. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Didn't sleep at all last night. Yeah. Shabbat shalom, Dr. Shabbat shalom. Good morning to you. Shabbat shalom, Mishpacha. Ah, hi, Reina. Blessings to you, sister. Shabbat shalom. Also to everyone of my family. Uh, Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, Stephen. Shabbat shalom. The feast just started. Ah, well, yeah, yeah. It's so good to see you, Paul. I'm looking forward to our getting together here very shortly. I can't wait. Are you Shabbat there? Shalom, with the, everyone. Oh, there. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, Chris. Chris, how are you? How are things in South Africa? Hi, Jesse. Hi, Cheryl. Yeah, everything's great here. Thanks, Doc. Everything's great. Okay, that's just good to hear. That's good to hear. Maybe, maybe uh, hi, Jessica. Hi, Angela Morris. Good morning to you. Good morning, hey, Dr. Pigeon. Hey, Mark. I have a question What's that, Angela? I have a question. Okay. Too fast or not to fast? Thou shalt fast, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fasting is a very so good particularly for Yom Kippur. It's a very good idea. I've been fasting for three years now, but this year got confusing from other hosts. So I just wanted to. Have a second witness to that. Thank you. Yeah, that. Shalom, it's, Shalom. It's a very good idea to fast, Angela. And shall we fast? Shall we blow shofar? Well, hello, Ezra. Did you bring your shofar with you again? Yes, I do. Okay. All right, May I on. blow it? Hold on, just a second. We'll get to that. We'll get to the blowing of the shofar. Just one second. Uh, let okay. Answering Angela's question here. Yeah, Angela. When it comes to fasting, fasting is a meaningful part of the believer's life. It is. It's a meaningful part of the believer's life. And it is something that we're all called to do, and it should be a regular practice. And there are uh, some people who fa fast um, several times a month. Fasting is very good for you. It's good for you psychologically. It's good for you emotionally. It's good for you physically says somebody who's already getting hungry just thinking about talking about this. <laughs> may, may I say that, that that demon that they couldn't cast out, they said, well, how come we couldn't cast it out? Well, he said, this guy, this comes out by fasting. By fasting. Prayer. By fasting and <laughs> prayer. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, and you could see Mashiach went out to the desert, fasted for 40 days, for heaven's sakes. I've never done one of those. I've known some people that have, that have done it. And I'm not one of them. But, uh, but, even a daily fast is good. Even an intermittent fast is good. You know, that's where you fast during the day. 
and you might break fast later on. Uh, but all of that is is really good for the health. It does wonders. It restores your immune system, and uh, it does other things that are really good. Plus, it disciplines the tongue. And sometimes the tongue, if there's anything, any part of the body that needs discipline, it is the tongue. Mm-hmm. The I'm tongue. Main. The tongue will get you into trouble faster than anything else you can possibly think of. <laughs> Brother P? Yes. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Uh, quick question. I mean, can we not also fast, not just from food, but we can fast from anything we're dealing with that's an issue? Like, yeah, that's another like, very- like a forked tongue or too quick to answer or devices that you're, that you're struggling with. You can fast from that. <laughs> Social media. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Social media. Yeah, hey, that's a good one, Sherry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right about that, Live, because the truth is that all of that stuff is, uh, and plus there is, you know, the Isaiah 54 fasting, which is to open your doors and uh, open your doors to the hungry and something else to think about, which is restoring yourself to your kin. Yes. Restoring yourself to your loved ones. This is a big part of it, too. And, uh, you know, and this is something that we're called to do, but, you know, also our loved ones are called to do it, too. So let's see what we can do in that regard. Eh? Here's here's another tip. Uh, the first 40 day fast I did, and I've done a dozen of them on water. Oh, uh, but the, fir- the first one, I only made it 30 days. But before starting, I fasted two days every every week for six months before I did the 30 day fast. That's a good tip. Yeah, so you can yeah. prepare yourself. So you can just do, you know, practice for one day on the weekend or two days on the weekend, and then you can work up. Yeah, yeah, that's a good tip. And that's okay. about, like I say, I mean, some people have said in a fasting of 40 days that they have they have um, really had spiritual encounters that are of significance, that have really changed them and have really helped them. So, you know, just... Well, you guys have heard all the super... Uh, natural miraculous events in my life and I ascribe uh, them all to 40 day fast on water and I've done a dozen of them is that right well that's interesting yeah well I'll tell yeah. you guys you know you're going to hear me say it here this morning thanks to Angela's question uh, fasting is a meaningful part of our life and it's something yes. to think about and something to bring into your life particularly on Yom Kippur okay all right absolutely so here we are we're coming into a blessed Shabbat this weekend Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, the 23rd, as we, um, for many of you, you've, you know, tonight will be entry into Yom Kippur. And for many of you, this is going to be a beautiful time and a wonderful thing. And so I'm going to encourage all of you that, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about self-affliction. And this is a big part of who we are. We're going to be reading a tremendous Torah portion today. I think it's uh, uh Maybe it's maybe it's my favorite Torah portion. I like this Torah portion a great deal. But the um, uh, when we talk about this idea of self-affliction coming into Yom Kippur, keep in mind a couple of things. One is is that you know we're not going to achieve the kingdom of heaven by complying with the Torah of Moshe. You know the kingdom of heaven is given to us with a completely different understanding. And it is an understanding of of the mysteries of Yah, right? And uh, and it really these mysteries of Yah are, you know, who has 
descended, but he who has ascended, who has set the bounds of the earth, right? Who has clothed the waters in a garment? What is his name or what is his son's name? If you can tell, these are the kinds of things that are that are uh, the mystery of reality, the mystery of the truth of reality. There is a singular Yah, a singular truth, a singular Elohim. There is a singular faith. And, uh, and it is in that faith and in that knowledge that we rest. And because we rest in that knowledge, and we rest in our faith in that knowledge, then we have, uh, we have, we already have one foot in heaven. We already have one foot in eternity. And so we wrestle in with the carnality of what we have on this earth for the time being, but it's short-lived and we will be once again before the throne, before Yah in his kingdom soon enough. And as we are, let us recognize that this life was just, you know, where we were for the time being. And we're here to do just really one thing, which is to glorify Yah, right? And to glorify Yah in whatever it may be in our lives, our trials, our tribulations, and so on. So with that, let us have Ezra give us a blast of the shofar, and then we can begin in prayer. Ezra, can you give us a blast of the shofar there? Okay, shalom. 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 You're probably the best so far player we have, so uh, let's hear a couple of <laughs> Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah, beautiful, Ezra. Hallelujah. Yeah, you really know how to knock it. You really know how to knock it out there, brother. Okay. Thank you, Ezra. Shalom, Shalom from really Malaysia. Good. Yeah, thank you, Ezra. Uh, Chris, you want to say something here before we get rolling? Uh, yeah, Shalom. Uh, Doc, I wanted to just uh, ask you about the Torah portions because um, what? Are, which one are we reading today? Is it 31 or... 32. 32. Why, did you have a different Torah portion? Well, I know last week uh, we read um, the Yom Teruah part, but I wasn't sure if that was for Yom Teruah or if it was for the, for the, for the seventh day. For the seventh. Uh, yeah, it was for, for Yom Teruah. You're correct. Yeah. That. So I think we've missed one, and I think we've come to the end of our reading. Look, I, I'm not sure, but I'm asking you, because we've finished up our reading of uh, Deuteronomy today. So we, we're right to the end. But, but is that not correct? Because after a Day of Atonement, you start afresh. Well, we can't. That's correct. After the, okay. actually, so that, actually after the Feast of Tabernacles. Oh, oh, okay, so then, so then we fight. Then we fight. Yeah, because then after the after the tabernacle, because tabernacles actually ends on the Sabbath again. Right, right, and uh, right. Okay, so yeah, I think um, if you want, we can do we can do both Torah portions. Okay, okay, all right. 
So yeah, um, I was just I was just trying to clarify that. That's all, you know, because yeah, yeah. there's another Torah portion that comes in, and that's uh, Yom Kippurim, obviously, which is uh, tomorrow or, or, or Sunday night, Monday, yeah. I believe. Let me take a look at that for a second here. Just one second. Yeah, Hazinu. Let's see. Yeah, Rosh Hashanah, which was Yom Yom Kippur or Yom Teruah. That's what we did last week. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going. We are going to get a Yom Kippur, but it's going to be uh, for uh, next week. And so, uh, yeah, I apologize about this layout. You know, we've had a lot of. There's been a lot of difficulty because, of course, the Torah portion, the international Torah portion, we got a lot of flack because we had a different Torah portion laid out for a long time because of our schedule. And so we went back to the international Torah portion. There's been a, there's been a lot of feedback about that because, of course, people want to be on the same Torah portion, you know, worldwide. So that's kind of where it lay at, where it left us. And, uh, but... At any rate, so let's talk just a little bit to get through the idea of feasts. Angela was asking about fasting on Yom Kippur. Uh, and yes, that's part of Yom Kippur. And also it is a day of, uh, it is a day of, well, let's call it holiness. Better term. Very much a set apart day. And we want to be as upright as we can be during this period of time. With the heart of affliction, right? Now, after we come out of Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, so Yom Kippur means covers, right? Kippur is a cover. Yom Kippur is, is a day, day of covers. What covers are we talking about? We're talking about being covered primarily in the blood of Mashiach. We're talking about the, the blood that goes over our doorpost. We're talking about the blood that he shed that is a blood that is our cover so that when we are seen in heaven, we are not seen in our filthy rags, but rather we're seen in the linen of Mashiach. We're seen in the linen of Mashiach. And this is the difference. This is the cover we're talking about. And so, you know, again, but this is part of the reason why, and I want to try to clarify this because it does become important. We don't live in a rabbinical world and we're not, dictated to by the policies of the rabbis or by the policies of the Talmud. This is not us. The Talmud belongs to someone else. We are led by scripture. We're not led by the Talmud, by rabbinical opinion. So the rabbis are going to say, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do the other thing without reflecting on what is written in uh, in the New Testament. And the New Testament, for instance, affects our Passover. It affects our Matzah. It affects our Shavuot. And it does affect our Yom Kippur because it's not something that we're going to do with the blood of goats. The blood of goats are not going to take us anywhere. Uh, the blood of a bull is not going to take us anywhere. Sprinkling the blood of an animal on the altar is not taking us anywhere. What takes us somewhere is the understanding that we are covered in Mashiach. And it's a covering that lasts for all time. It's not something that has to be repaired or redone. It's a covering that lasts for all time. Okay. All right. So 
uh, I'm going to pray and then let's get some volunteers to read the Torah portion today. Okay. All right. Okay. So, uh, oh, Devari, did you want to say something here this morning? Yeah, I was wondering, um, isn't the last great day on the 6th and not the 7th? Uh, okay. All right. You're, getting, you're, you're complicating things for me here. I know, <laughs> sorry, but I that's what I had according to uh, what I got from, from the sepper.net. Oh, okay. Let's see. Yeah, last great day would be the sixth. That's correct. Thank you. Blessings. <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. Okay, so let us pray. Because right now I'm still kind of discombobulated because I don't feel the Ruach has really kind of indwelt with me yet uh, to give me a mind present that I need to have present for this portion. And so may Yah be with us. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning giving thanksgiving in your name that you are with us now, and that you're here to bless us and to keep us. We pray for this fellowship, Father, that we be united as one. And we pray, pray for blessing in this fellowship, Father. We pray for the blessing of healing, for you are Yah who heals, as we're going to see in the Torah portion today, Father. All of these things are within your hand, and you have placed us here for such a time as this that we might be able to glorify your name, to know your name, and to glorify your name, that we might be able to circumcise our hearts, to know that we have been created by you and created for a singular purpose, and that this purpose is before us and that we could come to understand that you have a name and what your name is, what your son's name is, and how this opens a door to eternity for us in our faith in you. Father, as we study this Torah portion, I pray that the insights that may be gleaned from this portion will come before us. And may our speech today be edifying to you. May our speech be edifying to you. May we bless one another in lifting one another up. And may we hold together for these times the beauty of your word and the beauty of your kingdom. May your kingdom always be before us. And Father, as we look out now in this upcoming year, beginning today, not that this is the beginning of the year, Father, but beginning today is in terms of how it relates to prophecy and what we've seen in prophecy. We pray, Father, that you would again Call out your kingdom, call out the people of your kingdom, call out your remnant, and place us where you will, and cover us as you will, to protect us from what comes in the world. We seek to do your will, Father, and, and, and even though we may end up losing our lives on behalf of your kingdom, let it be so, Father, that your name is glorified in our lives, and that you cover us as you see fit. Blessed be your name, and may your will be done here in us, as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father, for this day. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, who among us would like to read the Torah portion this morning? I can read. So oh, Elizabeth. Wow. Elizabeth, outstanding. Okay, let me. I'll, I'll put it up here, and we can go. Yes. Uh, I will... let, me, let me introduce you to Elizabeth Bass. And she is uh, going to, and Elizabeth, you have to read it out loud yes. in the sign language. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, there you go. Okay. You can see that okay? 
Yes. Okay. Okay. Give, give ear. Oh, okay. Okay. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the, ten the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of Yahuwah, ascribe ye greatness unto our Elohim. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, an El of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite Yahuwah? O foolish people and unwise, is not he your father that has brought you? Has he not made you and established you? Turn this down. Okay. Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. When El Elyon divided the nations, divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of men, he set the bounds of people of the people according to the number of the children of Yasharel. For Yahuwah's portion is his people. Yaakov is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutter, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them, bears them on her wings. So Yahuwah alone did lead him, and there was no strange El with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of, butter of kine and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs, and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats, with the fat of, of kidneys of wheat, you did drink the pure blood of the grape. And I'll let you bring it up just a little bit. Okay. But Yasharon, Yasharon waxed fat and kicked. You are waxen fat, waxen fat. You are grown thick. You are covered with fatness. Then he forsook Eloah, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his Yeshua. They provoked him to jealousy with strange Elohim. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto Shaddaiah, Shaddaim, not to Eloah. Hmm? Yeah, Shaddim. Shadim, they sacrificed unto Shadim, not to Eloah, to Elohim whom they knew not, to new Elohim that came up newly, who came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat you, you are unmindful, and have forgotten El that formed you. Okay, now let's stop there for just one second, yeah. Elizabeth, because there is something here that's worthy of, I mean, it's all worthy of discussion, but let's take a look at this word here. Yeah, what is that? Uh, I almost stopped and asked you. Yeah, yeah. So what you see here is that this is the word that you see. Now, in a lot of English Bibles, they spell it like this. They spell it Jeshurun, like this. But again, this was converting the, uh, this was converting the 
the yod to a j and it doesn't really exist in this form because the way this is spelled is you have this idea of the yod hey excuse me that's not right excuse me you have this idea of the yod sheen Okay, now this right here is Yashar. And if you recall, uh, the book of Jasher is the book Yashar. And then, of course, you see the Vav, Nun, Sophit. So then this becomes Jasher, Yasharan. Now, Yasharan, this is the kingdom. This suffix here means the kingdom of Yashar. And it means, so it's a plural, meaning the people of and the kingdom of. So Yashar, this is very interesting because when you look at Yashar, if we take this out and we say, well, look, let's don't use that. Let's use instead of putting a Vav Nun at the end, let's put an Aleph Lamed at the end, you know, the word L, right? Let's put in the word L. So this would be like the L here or this L here. You have forgotten L that formed you. Well, this is the, uh, this is how you spell that. Actually pronounced Ale, Ale. And so what you see here, this word here then becomes hold on not yasharan but yashar el so this word here now is the the word in hebrew that the modern world world says is Israel. Are you we, talking about Yasharan? Yeah. Is Yasharan. that actually Israel? Yeah. Yasharan okay. is not Israel. Or Yasharel. This is Israel. So this is the spelling that we use in the Sefer. Yasharel. And it's based on Yod Shin Resh being Yashar. And you'll see that the word Yashar does appear in the text also, and it means the upright. So Yashar El means the upright in El. And Yasharun is the kingdom of the upright. Okay, that's what it's supposed uh, to be. Okay. 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 All right. And, but you can see. They they completely they lightly esteemed the rock of his Yeshua. They forsook El which made him. They provoked him to jealousy. They went with abominations. They sacrificed unto Shedim, which is another word for a kind of demon, Shedim, and not to Eloah. Now this is easy because when you or not easy, but when you see this word Shedim, this Stephen Ben Nun says, well look. This actually comes from this word, 
Shaddai. And many of you in Christian churches have heard people singing the song El Shaddai. And this is supposedly a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a reference to God Almighty. And I think it is. However, this idea here, Dai, is another Hebraic form for demon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you look at uh, the idea of Shaddai, this is uh, he who delivers from demons. He who delivers from demons. But th in this case here, you're talking about Shedim. So what happens is that this portion here die becomes a plural it becomes the masculine plural of im and the masoretes use this as a contronym instead of shedim they're going to give us the contronym now it's very important to understand that in hebrew there are contronyms and if you don't understand this, you can get very easily misled in the Hebrew. Like to give you an example, Kodesh, I'll just give you an example. When you talk about Kodesh, you're talking about what? Righteous or holy, Kodesh, holy. Kadash is a, a holy thing. Kadesh is a male prostitute. So, you know, one has to understand that there are contronyms in Hebrew, okay? So don't get locked up. Oh, I read this word, and therefore it must be evil. It must be wicked. Uh, not necessarily, okay? All right. I'm waiting to get in, Dr. P, I guess. Okay, let me see if I can find them here in a second. If you don't mind, I'd like to say something uh, real quick, uh, Brother Pigeon. Yes, sir. Sometimes, sometimes people get confused on things like this, is, but they have to remember Yah created all things, and Satan is the master of perversion things. So sometimes, you know, we have to look at it at a different angle than we look at it. It's automatically evil. Yeah, I agree with that. Because there are not two competing gods in the world. There's not like the big god, Yah, and then the other god over here, Satan, who's at war with him, who's going to pound him in the face. That's not the way it is. There is nothing outside the scope of Yah. Okay, hopefully I got everybody in here. Okay, Elizabeth, let's continue. Let me, let me scroll you up here a little bit. Yeah. And when Yahuwah saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. 
They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not L. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in my anger, and shall burn unto the lowest sheol, and shall consume the earth with her incense, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend my arrows upon them. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of serpents and of serpents of the dust. The sword without and terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin. The suckling also with the man of gray hairs. Oh, man of gray hairs is on the list. <laughs> I said I would. Oh, okay. I was hoping I was going to miss that part there. <laughs> well, well, it's more white than gray. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. Yeah, go ahead. I said I would scatter them into the corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. Were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, and lest they should say, our hand is high, and Yahuwah has done none, and has not done all this. For they are a nation void of counsel; neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rockets had sold them, and Yahuwah had shut them up? For their rock is not as our rock even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom, and on the fields of Amara, their grapes are grapes of gall, their clusters are bitter. Okay, now let's talk about this for just one second, because this is going to be a, a very important point. I guess it's going to stay there. Okay, I said I would scatter them into corners. Okay, now, this is an important part, because what you see is, you see that Yasharel is scattered into the four corners of the earth. And what? And I would make the remembrance of them to cease among men. Now, even though we have people that claim they are Jews in the modern world, and most likely are not, because all of the houses of Yasharel have been forgotten. The, their remembrance was forgotten among men. And were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, and lest they should say, our hand is high, and Yahweh has not done all this. It was Yah who scattered the house of Yasharel into the four corners, and no one else. Why? Because they are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. They're, they had counsel. They had the scripture. They had counsel. And they didn't listen to it. They didn't understand it. They didn't think about it. They made up excuses why they didn't need to consider it. Oh, we're not under that tutor anymore. We've got a different tutor. <laughs> Who's the different tutor? Well, the different tutor is, of course, Paul. We don't need to have any scripture. We've got a different tutor. Well, that's not true at all. The fact is, is that you know, it, it, when you say you've graduated high school, therefore I don't need to go back to school, well, then at least you went to school. At least you went to school. 
And so this is the thing. So neither is there any understanding. I wish that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider what their latter end is going to be. This is Moshe telling them. Why don't you guys think about this? Instead, if you think about this, Yah's going to give you everything and you're going to sit here and get fat. You're going to get fat eating the good of the land. You're going to get fat on my blessings. You're going to have your, your enemies are going to be dispelled. All of these things, you're going to be in, living in the Holy Land. And then once you get fat, you're going to forget about me. And what way are you going to go? Well, you're going to follow a different L, a different rock. And their vine is of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are the grapes of Gaul. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons, the cruel venom of asps. Now, this is where we are today. Our country is drinking from the vine of Sodom and is harvesting out of the fields of Gomorrah. It's very simple. You know, I saw a very interesting video clip yesterday. A mayor walked up in front of the school board and he sits down and he says, my name is so-and-so and I'm the mayor of this town. It's come to my attention that there have been books distributed in the elementary schools that amount to pornography. So this is the situation. You guys either all to turn in your resignations right now or you're going to be charged with crimes tomorrow morning. And then he got up and walked out. Well, finally, somebody finally told these people that that's exactly what they're doing is committing a crime. And, you know, and I just want to express this to you. When we talk about the vine of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah, when you have what's going on in the school system right now is that the school system has been told by uh, by the teachers union, by the World Economic Forum, and by other leaders, to engage in spiritual rape of your children. And that's what they're doing. When they present pornography to a, a six-year-old and to a seven-year-old and, and tell them this is normal human behavior, that's spiritual rape. They're raping your children. And they're raping your children with the intent of searing their conscience so that they can no longer tell good from evil, so that the Torah is burned out of their mind, and so that they can be manipulated by this sexualization, this hypersexualization of children, which is a crime. And by the way, it is the end of your civilization when you allow someone to do that. It ends your civilization. That's the end of your culture when you allow someone to do that. But they have done this, and then they turn around and say, oh, well, we raped your kids, and your kids are now so thoroughly traumatized that seven-year-olds want to have their genitals cut off. And you can't say no because we'll take your children away from you. When you're in that kind of a situation, then they come to you and say, oh, well, now you need to be inclusive in your society to make sure that you make room for the kids that we have traumatized whose conscience has been burned out of their mind because we raped them continually from the time you put them in the public schools until they got out. So be inclusive as to what we've done to them. You think that isn't the mind of Sodom, the mind of Gomorrah? It is the mind of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, you know, I could tell you, I read an article yesterday 
about a, a, a girl that was transitioned without her parents knowing it to a male. And she was transitioned to a male and her parents didn't know when her parents finally found out she ran away from home. She ran away from home and claimed that she was a male. So they put her in a boy's institution because she was committing crimes. And when they did, she got continually raped and beaten up and finally murdered. Then her parents found out that the school is the school system was the ones that had transitioned her. All right. Let's let's pick it up from verse 32, Elizabeth, if you would. From verse 32. Okay. But let's see. I was gonna try reading it out of my supper, but it's my eyes are getting too bad. <laughs> okay. For their vine is the vine of Sedum, and of the fields of Amora. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. For their wine is the poison of dragons, and the cruel venom of asps. Is not this laid up in store with me, and sealed up among my treasures? To me belongs vengeance and re recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. For Yahuwah shall judge his people and sigh for his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. Okay, can you go? Yeah. And he shall say, where are their Elohim, their rock in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no Elohim with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I shall render ju vengeance to my enemies and shall reward them that hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh. And that, with the blood of the slain and of the captives, from the beginnings of the revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye, rejoice, o ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants, and will render vengeance to his adversaries, and be merciful unto his land and to his people. And and Moshe came and spoke all the words of this song in the ears of the people, he and Husha, the son of Dun. And Moshe made an end of speaking all these words to all Yashorel. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to guard to do, all the words of this Torah. For it is not a vain thing for you, because it is your life, and through this thing ye shall prolong your days in the land, whether you go over the Yardan to possess it. Okay, now let's stop there for a second, Elizabeth, because we have something here that there's a couple things here. One is, I want to go back and point out back here where he says, see now that I, even I, am he. There is no Elohim with me. I kill 
and make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. It's a very important part of scripture, a very important part for us to understand, and something with which we should take great solace. Yes, he kills, but he also makes alive. Yes, he wounds, but he also heals. We should never forget that. Now, here we have something being said that also is critically important. And let me make sure I get everybody in here. And that is this. Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify to do all the words of this Torah because it is your life. Now, this is something that when we look at the Torah, for a lot of people, it's just really kind of hard to understand the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law. And so what we see in this is this. There's lots of choices out there in life. You can get out of bed and you can say to yourself, I'm going to follow the Buddhist way today. Or I'm going to follow the Shinto way today. Or I'm going to follow the Hindu way today. Or I'm going to follow the atheist way today. Or the secularist way today. Or I'm going to be a part of the pop culture today. But Moshe is saying, look, I pulled you out of the land of Egypt where they worshipped animals. And they worshipped half man, half bull. Half man, half goat. Half man, half bird. And I'm going to lead you into a different existence, an existence that sets your heart and your mind on the singularity of Yah and give you a series of commands that will allow you to live in a certain way. And this is the whole aspect of the Torah that's so critical, is that he gave us these precepts that we would live in a certain way, because this is your life. Your life isn't to be living a... Uh, uh, 24-7, 365, slave labor to your to, uh, uh, your corporate employer, right? That's the life we were, you know, that's the life we were told was in existence. I don't know, when I was a kid, that's the life I was told was in existence. Get a job was the mantra I heard from the time I was 14 on. You know, get a job, right? Pay the rent. And how many people, I don't know if you recall this back in the day, some of you were old enough to remember this. But you'd work 50 years for a company, your whole life there, and they give you a gold watch at the end and say thanks, right? You'd get a gold watch for your life, right? And so here we are. Was this the world that we were called to? Were we called to that kind of a thing? We're called to a different Torah, called to a different, a different understanding. Okay. All right. Um, to clear this all right and let's finish up this Torah portion if we can elizabeth okay uh, 48 and yahuwah spoke unto moshe that self-same day saying get ye up get you up into this mountain abarim unto mount navu which is in the land of moab that is over against jericho and behold the land of kenan 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 which i give unto yeah, which I give unto the children of Yasharel for a possession, and die in the mount whither you go up, and be gathered up unto your people, 
as Aharon your brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered unto his people. Because ye transgressed against me among the children of Yasharel at the waters of Mary, I'll let you say that. Mary Va Kadesh. Mary Va Kadesh. In the wilderness of, of, Zion, of Zin. Zin, yeah. Because, he, yeah. because ye sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Yasharel. Yet ye shall see the land before you, but you shall not go thither into the land which I give the children of Yasharel. Yeah, it's very interesting because when he, you know, the sin that he engaged in was to lift up himself and the sign of his authority rather than the name of Yah when he struck the rock twice at Horeb. And Yah did not forgive him for that because he had usurped the authority of Yah. He would not see the Holy Land. He would not see this land of Canaan. Now, we talk about the land of Canaan. We have to keep a couple of things in mind. Uh, you know, was what 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 was the land of Canaan? We're going to talk about that, but before we do, I get the feeling that John Nicholson has got a song for us that he wants to uh, wants to bring to us before we get back into the, to, to continue the Torah portion. John, have you got something for us, there, brother? Yeah, a little bit more of the Torah portion. Excellent. Give ear to the words I say Your love is gonna fall like rain Like the dew on the tender earth His love will endure Consider the days of old the promise of Yahweh. He separated the sons of men and he numbered the children. He is the rock of the ages. His ways are perfect and ageless, without iniquity. He saves us. So rejoice, 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 O ye nations. For he will offend the blood of his servants. In a howling desert land, Yah alone did lead them. Yah's portion is his people, the lot of his inheritance. And just like the mighty eagle, Yahuwah's gonna spread his wings and take unto the sky the apple of his eye. But we all get fat and lazy. We turn our backs on the one that brought us through the fire and through the sea. And 
as for his enemies, they'll be heaped with calamity. So I suggest you heed the commands of your Allah. Their wine is the poison of dragons. They'll be overwhelmed by his vengeance. Is he not your maker, your creator? So rejoice, 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 O ye nations. For he will offend the blood of his servants. Rejoice, 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 O ye nations. For he will avenge the blood of his servants who truly love him and keep to his covenant. Because that's what true love is. Yeah, that's what perfect love is. Rejoice, 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 O ye nations. For he will avenge the blood of his servants. Rejoice. Well, outstanding, John. Outstanding. Beautiful. What a timely song for us. And uh, just what we needed to hear. Just what we needed to hear. And uh, there's nothing like rejoicing in the kingdom and knowing what Yah is doing for us. Thank you for that, brother. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Dave, did you want to chime in here at this point, brother? Uh, the past acceptable fast what's not acceptable you know it talks about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable but yes you 58 but afflicting our beings that's not afflicting the new man it's talking about our beings or uh well if we afflict our beings from and don't do our our will but his that's a acceptable fast from not speaking our words, but speaking his hmm. from not doing what we want to do. You know, it talks about now you have gone and made your belly, your mighty one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. I, I made my belly, my mighty one and got fat as a house, as the house. And he had to instruct me about not having my belly as mighty. And it was an interesting reproof, but I had to fast a lot of things. I mean, I'm continually fasting. So if we're going to fast an acceptable fast and deal our bread to the hungry, well, the bread that of life is our bread. It ain't just going out and getting you know, a loaf of bread and tossing it at them. The, the, the widows and the orphans are without what? Without a husband, without a daddy. Well, we're talking about dealing our the bread of life to that that is 
fruitful, not just temporal. Ah, uh, yeah, good word, Dave. That's a very good word. You know, when it talks about don't fast this way, like in sackcloth and ashes and all that stuff, and bow down your head as a bulrush in, in Yeshua 58, he says, you call that an acceptable fast to me? No, this is the acceptable fast. I'm not doing your thing. You're going to afflict your being, not the new man. You're going to afflict your you're going to afflict your being. In other words, you're not going to let your being run the show. That's an acceptable fast to you. Oh, I'm not talking. I'm talking about. He's setting the example. Now, if you get if you get your silver and your gold is multiplied, don't forget it's me that gave you the power to get that. Because if you do, you'll get that. Anyway, appreciate the chance. Yeah, yeah. Th Thanks, Dave. That's a very good word. Thank you, brother. Okay, now, uh, Catherine Hayes. Uh, are you going to read for us, and will you read for us the the Haftarah, the the Shemuel Shani yes, portion? Yes, I'll be happy to. Okay, all right. Let me let me put it up here so we can all see it, and then it'll be really good to hear from you. Okay, just one second. Okay, all right. Go ahead, Catherine. And David spoke unto Yahweh the words of this song in the day that Yahweh had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Shaul. And he said, Yahweh is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the Elohai of my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my Yeshua my high tower and my refuge, my savior. You saved me from violence. I will call on Yahweh, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of wicked men made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon Yahweh and cried to my Elohim. And he did hear my voice out of his temple. And my cry did enter into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, a fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a carob and did fly, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind, and he made darkness pavilions round about him dark waters and thick clouds of the sky through the brightness before him though the though the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled Yahweh thundered from heaven and El Elyon uttered his voice and he sent out arrows and scattered them lightning and discomfited them and the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered. 
at the rebu rebuking of Yahweh, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but Yahweh was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Yahweh rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, has he recompensed me. For I have guarded the ways of Yahweh and have not wickedly departed from my Elohim. For all his judgments were before me. And as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him and have guarded myself from my iniquity. Therefore, Yahweh has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyesight. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. And with the upright man, you will show yourself upright. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the froward, you will show yourself unsavory. unsavory. And the afflicted people you will save, but your eyes are upon the haughty, that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Yahweh, and Yahweh will lighten my darkness. For by you I have run through a troop. By my Elohim I have leaped over a wall. As for Elohim, his way is perfect. The word of Yahweh is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For whom is Elohim save Yahweh? And who is a rock save our Elohim? Elohim is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon high places. He teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by my arms. You have also given me the shield of your Yeshua and your gentleness has made me great. You have enlarged my steps under me so that my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them and turned not again until I had consumed them, and I have consumed them and wounded them, that they could not arise. Yea, they are fallen under my feet, for you have girded me with strength to battle. Them that rose up against me have you subdued under me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. They looked, but there was none to save, even unto El Yahweh, but he answered them not. They 
Then did I beat them as small as the dust of the earth. I did stamp them as the mire of the street and did spread them abroad. You also have delivered me from the strivings of my people. You have guarded me to be head of the heathen, a people which I knew not shall serve me. Strangers shall submit themselves unto me as soon as they hear. They shall be obedient unto me. Strangers shall fade away, and they shall be afraid out of their close, close places. Yahweh lives, and blessed be my rock. And exalted be the Elohei of rock, of the rock of my Yeshua. It is Elohim that avenges me, and that brings down the people under me, and that brings me forth from my enemies. You shall have lifted me up on high above them that rose up against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks unto you, O Yahweh, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto your name. He is the tower of Yeshua for his king and shows mercy to his anointed unto David and to his seed forevermore. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, what are you going to say? What can you possibly say about that that prayer of David, right? I mean, uh, you know, uh, just to stand up and say, fantastic. You know, I, I, David really, I think, spells it out there, and he and he lays down such a uh, such a glorious uh, song of not only deliverance but a song of victory, a song of victory. And we think about this victory, you know, the coming world now, there's a lot of prophecy and, and, um, and I don't know, I know I saw, uh, Doug Fassett's, um, recent, uh, uh Bible code on, uh, the 1290, 1335 days. And there are a lot of people who think that today is the day we have entered into the 1290th day from March 11th. 2021 which was when the uh the uh, pandemic began when they first announced the uh mark and so when the, when the mark first came uh the uh march 11th 2021 we have reached 1290 days and of course that prophecy out of daniel 12 is an interesting prophecy and it goes until 1,335 days, which will be November 5th. Now, for me, these are very interesting days because they are the days in which I'm going to be traveling. So it's going to be a very interesting period of time. But in this period of time, I think we're going to see the enemies of Yah are going to be facing some very serious difficulties over this next 45-day period. And I think there's going to be, I think Yah is going to rise up to assert his victory because I think the, the uh, the you know, the smoke is coming out of his nostrils right now because of what has happened. 
and because of, of uh, where the world has turned. And, you know, really, it's not the world that has turned. You know, we have people in positions that have the megaphone, if you will. You know, they've got the megaphone and they're the ones telling the narrative, but they're very much in the minority. They're, they're not even a minority. They're a very small group of people with very big mouths and uh, they control most of the wealth in the world. So because they control the wealth and because they have very big mouths, they have a mouthpiece that's heard all over the world, they're under the impression they're in control. And they're not in control because they're, they're, the money that they control is about to fail. And when the money they control fails, everything they own will fail. And when everything they own fails, all they will have left is their big mouth. And their big mouth is going to be silenced by Yah, who's going to shut it entirely. And the wrath of Yah is coming. And so what is going to take place on the backside of that is that Yah once again is going to lift up his people. And he's not lifting up his people into, uh, into some kind of uh, fame and notoriety and blah, 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 blah. He's lifting up his people into gentleness. He's lifting up his people into humbleness, but he's also lifting up his people into inheritance. For his people will inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth and the froward shall be distraught. They shall be given a, a cup full of sour grapes. They have no idea how bad it's going to be for them. They have no idea. But it's not going to be in their hands. They're not going to be able to manipulate the weather. They're not going to be able to manipulate the wars. They're not going to be able to manipulate the narrative. They're not going to be able to lock people down into some kind of a digital penitentiary like they think they're going to be able to, Yah is going to extinguish all of it. And when he does, this this whole period that we've seen really rising, and, and, you know, I mean, if we talk about, like, serious antichrists, you know, I see the era that we're in right now, which has become, literally, they're proposing digital prisons for all of us, right? Uh, no privacy online, social credit scores, uh, tracking every move you make, 15-minute cities, locking you down. Uh, you know, you can't do anything without permission. You can't hold a view without permission. You can't speak your mind without permission. And if you're wayward in any respect, well, then you lose your bank account, you lose your money, you lose your family, you lose your connections, and you're cast out of society into the, into the you know, into the net of the homeless, which, by the way, is a ministry for all of us now. But uh, with that being said, uh, they're into the that all when did that begin well it began with the rise of the digital age and when did the digital age begin in the pop culture it began when microsoft developed an operating system for a personal computer so the founder and the progenitor of the digital prison that's now being proposed. It's the same one who runs around with a needle in his hand saying the world needs to be vaccinated. Who's the Antichrist? All right. 
who is the Antichrist? Any, any, well, I don't want to use that word anymore. Anti Messiah is what he's talking about. Yeah, anti Messiah. Anti anointing. Who is against the anointing? Well, it's the mind of the anointing we're supposed to move in. So who's against the mind that we're supposed to have? The mind of the anointing that leads us and guides us and, and manifests his power. Is he bigger than that? Is that one that's against that bigger than that? Well, mightier, he, he who is in me is bigger than that. Hallelujah. Wow. I, I didn't mean to jump in, but I got excited. Excuse me. <laughs> No, no, I'm glad you did, Dave. I'm glad you did because, yeah, you're right. It's anti-Mashiachim or anti-Messiah, anti-Mashiach that we're talking about. And this is uh, this, this is a, a very serious issue. And I think what we've seen in the Torah portion, first of all, we saw the song of Moshe. Now we've seen the song of David. You know, you guys, I don't know if you guys have used to sing that song, but uh, uh, I will call upon you, right? Uh, who is worthy to be praised and be an answer to it? Did you guys ever sing that? Anyway, it's an antiphonal song. It's really quite good. And uh, so anyway, I love it. Okay, so we we need somebody who will read for us the uh, the Besserah. Somebody to read the Besserah. Let me scroll up here. We get it going here. The I'll Besserah. read it if you want. Oh, you're going to read it, Tina? Okay, excellent. So Hang on, I got to get in here. Okay, yeah, so we're going to read from, uh, this is Yochanan, John, chapter 20, and this is following the uh, resurrection of Mashiach. Okay. So this is going to be a little bit complex, Tina, but let's have at it, okay? Let me let me put it up, and then we we go, okay? I'm doing it on my phone because this, I'll you, read it off my phone. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Are you ready? We're ready. And David, and David spoke unto Yahuwah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's not right. We need to oh, no. go down to the best oh. down in John, Yochanan, John. I got gotcha. you. Okay. okay. After eight days again, his talidium were within and taum with them. Then came Yahusha, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then he said to Tam, Reach hither your finger and behold my hands, and reach hither your hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Tom stopped now. And Tom answered and said unto him, My Adonai and my Elohim. Yahushua said unto him, Tom, because you have seen me you have believed blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed and many other signs truly did Yahusha in the presence of his Talithim which are not written in this sefer but these are written that ye may believe that Yahusha is Hamashiach the son of Elohim and that believing ye might have life through his name don't make it going. Sure. Okay. After these things, Yahushua showed himself again to the Talidium at the Sea of Tevera. Yeah, the Teveria, which is Teveria. Tiberius, but the uh, the actual Hebrew pronunciation is Tiberia. 
Kevaria on his wife and on his wife showed himself. They were together, Shimon, Kipa, and Tam called Didymus. Yeah, called Didymus. Now, this is something to remember, right? It's like um, uh, like Judah was also called uh, Thaddeus. Judah, you know, the, who wrote the book of Jude, he was known as Thaddeus. And Thomas was also known as Didymus. These were their Latin names. Okay. <laughs> okay. And Nathaniel of Cana and Gael and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his Taladim. Shimon Kepha said unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, We also go with you. Okay, now let's they stop went, right there, Tina. Okay. We want to make sure that this, everyone knows that this is a gospel verse. I go fishing. And they said unto him, we also go with you. So wives, keep that in mind when your husband says that to you, I go a fishing, but that's gospel. Okay. That's a gospel verse. Okay. okay. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. It happens. It does. But when, but when the morning was now come, Yahusha stood on the shore, but the Taladim knew not that it was Yahusha. Then Yahusha said unto them, children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fish. Therefore that Talmud, whom Yahusha loved, said unto Kepha, it is Adonai. Now when Shimon Kepha heard that it was Adonai, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, okay, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other Taladim came in a little ship, for they were not far behind from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. As soon as, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Yahushua said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Shimon Kepha went up and drew the net to land full of great fish, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Yahushua said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the Taladim dared ask him, Who who are you? Knowing that it was Adonai. Yahushua, Yahushua then comes and takes the bread and gives them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Yahushua showed himself to his Taladim. After that, he was risen from the dead. So when it so when they heard, I'm sorry. So when they had died, Yahushua said to Shimon Kepha, Shimon, son of Yona, do you love me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Adonai, you know that I love you. He said unto them, Feed my lambs. He said, and he said to him again the second time, Shimon, son of Yona, do you love me? He said unto him, Yea, Adonai, you know that I love you. 
he said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto them a third time, Shimon, son of Yonah, do you love me? Kepha was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Do you love me? And he said unto him, Adonai, you know all things, you know that I love you. Yahushua said unto him, Feed my sheep. Amen, amen. I say unto you, when you were young, you girded yourself and walked whither you would. But when you shall be old, you shall stretch forth your hands and another shall gird you and carry you whither would you would not. This spoke he signifying by what death should glorify Elohim. Signifying by what death should he should glorify Elohim. And when he had spoken unto this, he said unto him, follow me. And then Kepha, turning about, seized the Talmud, whom Yahusha loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Anodai, who is he that betrays you? Kepha, seeing him, said to Yahusha, Adonai, and what shall this man do? Yahusha said unto him, if I, if I will that he tarries till I come. What is that to you? Follow me. Then went this saying aboard among the brethren that that Talmud should not die. Yet Yahushua said unto him, He shall not die. But if I will, but if I will that he tarries till I come, what is that to you? This is the Talmud which testifies of the things wrote and these things and we know that this testimony is true and there are also many other things which Yahushua did the which if they should be written every one I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the Sephirim that should be written amen okay well hallelujah we got through the whole thing this time yay <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing thing, eh? It's an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, it's very interesting because um, there are those who say that the 153 fish refers to the passage in Hosea that says the people who are called not my people, lo ami, I will make my people. And that that's what the 153 signifies is that gematria that's talking about that and so what is talking about with 153 fish these are the fishermen that have come out and these fishermen are out fishing right and you know peter's at a point where he doesn't care at all right he's out there fishing naked it's like whatever we're not going to catch anything anyway and they catch 153 fish signifying that the people who are not my people will become my people and so this is a passage. And then when you see this passage up here where he says, the the uh, one says, okay, who is this that be that betrayed you, right? Who is he who betrays you, right? Who is he who betrays you? Okay, now this was the question that was asked at the Last Supper, right? In preparation for Judas or what Judas was going to do. And then Kepha kind of, kind of cuts in and says well what shall this man do if i'm going to be taken away 
But now take a look at what he says when he says how, how Kepha is going to die. He says, look, when you were young, you girded yourself and walked whether you would. You dressed yourself. But when you shall be old, you shall stretch forth your hands and another shall dress you and carry you where you would not go. Does that sound like he was, you know, crucified upside down on a cross in Rome? No, it sounds to me like he he was going to grow very, very old and probably blind and was going to be taken care of in places where he didn't want to be, right? It sounds a lot more to me like he's going to die of old age, serious old age, not just a little bit of old age, but serious old age. And of course, we get the whole Roman mythology, and it is mythology, by the way, this comes from a Gnostic work out of the third century about... Uh, uh, Simon Magus fly, flying around Rome. I don't know if you've ever read this thing, but if you ever get a chance to read it, it's worthy to read because it has Peter in Rome in the third century and he's combating with Simon Magus or Maga, you might say, Simon Maga. <laughs> and Simon Magus flying around Rome in a in a red baseball cap. I don't think he had a red baseball cap, but I, I, I think that might have been out of the question. But nonetheless, he's flying around Rome you know, literally off the ground like Superman, <laughs> you know. And so then uh, then Kepha is the one that ends up getting crucified upside down. And, and of course, you know, when you do the Roman, it's very interesting because, let me show you this. When you do the, when you do the Roman sign of the cross, right? So you go, you know, you go like this, boom, 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 boom. Well, because this is short, you're actually doing an upside-down cross. It's actually an upside-down cross that you're doing. The Orthodox, they go all the way from the head to the belt buckle. It's boom, 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 boom. So they get of this full measure of cross, but it's an upright cross, not an upside-down cross. Something to think about in doing the sign of the cross. And, you know, it's very funny because when Joe Biden was meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday, when Netanyahu didn't look at him, Biden crossed himself, which I found to be very interesting that he would do that. And uh, so his cognizance, in my opinion, is a bit suspect. But, but why did he do that anyways? I don't understand why he did that in the first place. His allegiance is to the Vatican. He does not have any allegiance to the United States at all. His allegiance is 100% to the Vatican. And the Vatican is the brainchild behind the World Economic Forum. And the World Economic Forum is what is leading the West. And if you understand this, really, uh, if you understand the, the 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 politics of this, it's very clear to see. I forget who I was talking about this with yesterday. Maybe it was Tuesday. I was talking with Scott. I don't remember where I was talking about this. But what you see is you see, uh, you see the, the same war that's been going on. Well, John, John Barr and I were talking about it. That's where it was. We talked about it on Thursday night show. This is the same war that's been going on since roughly 1050 with the great schism between uh, the Eastern part of Rome and the Western part of Rome. And that great schism happened uh, primarily because Rome kept asserting itself as a singular authority. Kept saying, we're the bishop above bishops. And the Eastern Orthodoxy said there is no such thing as a bishop above bishops. We're all equal bishops. 
And so the strategy became uh, much more, it was much more, shall we say, a proletariat in the Eastern Orthodoxy and very much monarchical in the Western Orthodoxy. And so the Pope said, you know, all bishops are equal, but one bishop is more equal than the others. And this was rejected in the Eastern Church. And as a consequence, the churches began to pull away. So initially, the church had 17, excuse me, seven councils. They're called the Constantinian councils that formed the church. And both Eastern and Western churches were agreed on these seven Constantinian councils. It began with the Council of Nicaea. Then Rome had another 21 councils after that that allowed Rome to take on a completely different tack to change their catechism, to change their structure, to change their laws. For instance, Orthodox priests are married, Catholic priests are not. And so this, and then ultimately a great schism took place for which there's been no reform, there's been no replacement. So even though they're supposedly of the same religion, they hate each other. And Rome has attacked the Orthodox world uh, well, two, three times in the modern epoch. For instance, when you look at the uh, the overthrow of the Tsar uh, in, uh, in, in the early part of the 20th century, uh, World War I was part of that. World War I was there to destroy orthodoxy. And of course, most people don't know this, but uh, in Russia, in the 1800s, there was a czar named Nicholas, not Nicholas III, Alexander III, Alexander III, and um, he ruled over a country that had more churches than any other country on earth. Russia has the single, Moscow has the single largest number of churches of any city on earth. And so he ruled over this country that was very, very deeply religious. And the Jesuits had infected the seminaries in Russia. And they began teaching a, uh, a form of biblical instruction that did not include the New Testament. And so Nicholas III was then assassinated in St. Petersburg. And when he was assassinated in St. Petersburg, they built a church at the spot of his assassination. It's called the Church on Spilled Blood. And it's two blocks off the Nevsky Prospect in St. Petersburg. And of course, then his heirs would take over. And ultimately, it was Nicholas II who was deposed by the communist regime that was released out of Germany by the Western Empire, funded uh, by Jewish banks out of New York with the idea of completely terminating Eastern Orthodoxy. And so this began, and the communist revolution, which took lasted 70 years in Russia, uh, resulted in the death of 66 million Orthodox people. It was a huge persecution. And there is no one in the Christian world, at least not in the West, that raises a hue and cry over the martyrdom of 66 million believers. Most people don't even know that number. They don't even know it happened. They just think it's a fiction or something, or it's not relevant to us. But these are other believers and all of these believers were slaughtered. And so this was communism. So as long as Russia was communist, they were safe, and the West was not interested in making war with them. In fact, they used Russia 
to defeat uh, Adolf Hitler. However, after they after Russia restored itself to orthodoxy, which began around 2004, the West immediately got its dander up and began, uh, you know, it, it, the Russophobia stuff that goes on today. Russia did it. Russia's responsible for this. Russia's responsible for the death of Mighty Mouse. You know, uh, Russia did this. Russia did that. Russia did the other thing. You know, there's nothing that they're not willing to blame on Russia. And the reason they put the blame on Russia is because the Western Church, which is dominated by Rome and the Vatican, which is where the decisions are made, uh, hates orthodoxy and wants to see all of those orthodox killed and that nation ended. It's the same thing. It's the same schism that's been going on since 1054. It's actually been going on since the fourth century. The same war time and time again. And the people of the East will say, look, don't cross the Euphrates. We're, we're here to the east of the Euphrates. Don't cross the Euphrates. And Rome says, don't tell us what to do. We can cross the Euphrates if we want. The next thing, the next thing you know, you got a couple of million dead. And Rome retreats back across the Euphrates to think about another day when they can cross over the Euphrates. And so, you know, when we, when we talk about World War II, Hitler's election to attack Russia was a directive that came right from the Pope. Go get those Orthodox. Go kill those people. And so sure enough, they crossed over the Ukrainian Euphrates, if you will, and right into that jurisdiction, into a battle. And so here, this is where we are today. Exact same battle. Now, the Vatican is, you know, the Vatican is not 100% in control. There are other people behind the Vatican that select the Pope and determine what's going to be coming out of the Vatican. There's 13 families in Italy that control the Vatican. And of course, the Vatican bankers, which are mostly situated in London. And these are people that are making decisions and they use as their spokesperson, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, who directs all the corporations. Remember that a corporation, a corporation comes from the Latin word corpus, meaning body. A corporation is a golem that was created by the Vatican to grant limits to liability. See, it's not you that took my money, put it at risk and lost it at sea. It was a golem, a corporation that took my money, lost it at sea. So I can't hold you responsible for the loss. I can only hold the corporation responsible for the loss because it's a golem. And that's why they're called corporations because they come from the word corpus, corpse right? Corpse. And so these corporate bodies are controlled out of Davos, Switzerland, and the Davos group is controlled out of the World Economic Forum, and the World Economic Forum is controlled by the machinations of the Vatican, which the Vatican is the ultimate pivot point for the directions that come from the international banking cabal. So with that being said, you can see what is the machination between East and West. Now, with all of that happening, uh, I don't think that this stuff is going to continue much longer. I think there's going to be a real change up in the world. Anyway, so we can see here that that Peter and and the Talmudim, the Talmud, which is another word for student, student, disciple, it's another word for it. The Talmudim and 
uh, and Peter are being directed to fish on the other side of the boat. They're being directed to fish on the other side of the boat because the people who were not called by my name are going to be brought in. Chris Mack, have you got some, have you got some commentary on this here, brother? Uh, Doc, actually, on something that you said earlier on uh, in the Haftorah yeah. about the anti-Mashiachim and also the, um, well, which leads again to the false teachings and the false teachers and the false prophets. And um, I, I, I want to bring in something else. So I don't want to disturb this Torah portion. Um, so I don't know if I should comment now or do you want to come back? Oh, feel, feel free. Feel free. Okay. Sure. All right. So so in the Torah portion that's to follow, uh, the Yom Kippur Rum Torah portion, you uh, we're reading Leviticus 16. And in Leviticus 16, he's talking about the, the temple furniture and Aaron, which is supposed to be anointed, or rather the, um, the, the bull, which is strange that the bigger creature is sacrificed for Aaron's sins and his family. And then um, the, the smaller animals, if you like, were sacrificed for the temple furniture to purify them because the furniture was in the midst of Yasharal, the sin, the, the, the nation with sin. Anyway, to cut a long story short, um, then the scapegoat, the two hands of Aaron are put on his head and he's sent into the wilderness by the hand of a fit man. Now, when we see that again, or, or, or not again, but we do see this kind of story again in Matthew 4, where Yahusha is led by the Ruach Elohim into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So in other words, uh, the first scapegoat uh, dies because it has no covering. It has no power. It is left by in the elements um, to be devoured by the beasts of the earth. Uh, but Yahusha is led by the Ruach Elohim into the wilderness and overcomes the temptations of the Hasatan through answering with pure doctrine. In other words, through answering with pure word, um, the false Mashiach, the false Elohim, the false teachers, the false prophets are not part of his uh, rhetoric there. He answers truthfully from the word. And that is a very important uh, point, is that we get our doctrines and our speeches correct when we answer with a word. Uh, we cannot go with things that we've learned uh, and been taught uh, from teachers uh, in the past. We have to go with knowledge of our own that we've acquired through the study of the word by ourselves or with others um, and, and in groups like this that, that we learn things and then we, we make them our own. Now, another, another time when we check the wilderness out is in Revelation 12, when the woman is flees into the wilderness. And it says in verse 12 in Revelation 
uh, verse, uh, sorry, 6 in Revelation 12. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of Yah. Now, that's interesting to me because she flees into the wilderness. So that talks to me of scattering. In other words, we scattered, we are fleeing. We're not led by either the footman. Uh, obviously, we are led by the Ruach because we have the Ruach in us. But it's not necessarily, it, it, it's not necessary. it's a place in this world, I believe, and, and, and I believe it's the spiritual place. But there is a place prepared of Yah, and I believe that that is possibly the um, Psalm 91 secret place of the Most High where uh, Hasatan, although he's trying to kill us, will not be able to because of the protection and the covering of, of Yahweh. Yeah, now, uh, when you talk about that, Chris, when you talk yeah. about the wilderness, you know, when we look at the book of Numbers, uh, the book of Numbers is in the Hebrew is actually called in the wilderness or in from the wilderness. And, but it's called Bamidbar, Bamidbar. And Bamidbar is kind of a Yiddish form of Bama Davar, Davar. So it is in from the word, in from the word. So right. the, you know, so this wilderness has this idea that, uh, that, uh, like when you look at the the tribes of Israel in the in the wilderness, right? They were wandering. They were wandering, and they you know they had. If it's true that the Holy Land is in fact modern day Israel, which I'm not sure it, it, that that's true at all, but that was a two week journey from Goshen. You know, from you come out of Alexandria, you've got two. It's a two week walk. What's this forty years going on, right? 40 years in the land of Tzin and all of these places and these rivers that they had to cross and all of these things that go on during this wilderness trek. And in this mm -hmm. wilderness, you see all of these rules begin to, to develop. You shall camp like this. And the camp, of course, laid out a giant sign of the cross, but it was a giant sign of the cross, not pointing north and south, but rather pointing east and west, right? The point of the cross was at the, was east and the long portion was to the west and with the tabernacle in the middle. And so this is what people would see when they when they looked over on the camp. And it's also true that in the wilderness, this camp had a reputation because when Rahab heard of the camp, when they heard, they said, we she she told the spies, we have heard of you and are greatly afraid of your coming. Right. Remember her saying that? And we greatly fear your coming. So when you get here, make sure you spare my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this this whole thing is, and I think, uh, you know, as we talk about this wilderness, it really is a big issue. Is the woman Israel? Is it Yasharel? Is the woman Yasharel? Does she, you know, she gives birth to a, to a, a male child. And I'll tell you that phrase, male child, when you read it in the in the actual Greek, it's a male boy. It's like very redundant, right? It's it makes it very clear that this is not uh, some kind of configuration, but a male boy is the word that's used. And mm -hmm. so you've got to be, you know, it's pretty it's 
it's redundant in, in its specificity. So, you know, who mm -hmm. is the woman? Where is the wilderness? And, you know, how does this stack up? So when we, when we talk about this wilderness issue here, and, you know, you're mentioning again that it's to strengthen the power of the word that is uh, that is the, the authority that's coming forward here. The strength and the power of the word, and yeah. uh, so. But anyway, I, I just I just wanted to throw that I'll, in. Let me turn it back. To yeah, you. sure. No, that's great. So, um, so we get, we get well. Look, we get the protection obviously in verse eleven, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Well, we are part of Yasharel, so whoever believes in the Messiah is part of Yasharel, and the point is here is you overcome by his blood. And then the word of your testimony is so important because the word of your testimony has to be parallel to his word because he is the word made flesh. So we cannot be speaking untruths or believing in them. And um, part, of, part of these Torah readings is be strong and of good courage. Why? Because Yah has said so. You must believe it to be true. And when we when we start believing that his word and what he said is true, then we love not our lives till death. In other words, his words is before our lives. And then we get the solace, the strength from what he has said and not necessarily from the way things look in our lives or for our lives, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, so what I wanted, what I just wanted to say here with this story is that um, you, we might feel that we're in a wilderness situation because, to be truthful, it is a very strange time that we are in. Um, even if we are believers and we are reading the word and we are living, trying as best to live in it as 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 possible. Um, there is still a, a lot of uncertainty. And uh, that uncertainty has to be overshadowed by the truth of the word in our hearts. The rock that's not moved, even though things might look like they're falling, uh, they're falling around us or falling apart. Um, it's, not, it's not the truth because Yah has settled it. And therefore it is. And um, then... First of all, and then last of all, I just wanted to say, and uh, because I'm trying to rush this, the the serpent uh, spews out, or the dragon spews out the flood, uh, and the earth opens up the mouth and swallows the flood, which the dragon casts out of his mouth. So that, to me, is the secret place of the Most High, or the place where Yah is our protection, and He protects us, and even though we think that this is going to overwhelm us and get too much for us to handle, you know, I think I think it's important because people have to hear, uh, people of faith have to hear these things, and and, and in, to encourage us to to just remain because don't be moved. It's the same with with um, Paul when he goes and he's shipwrecked. You know, he says, "Be of good." Uh, uh, well, what was the word that he used? I can't remember now. But anyway, it's like joy. Be of good joy because none of you are going to be lost. And then they were encouraged and 
they were strengthened by his words. Um, so I think similarly in this situation, there's, there's a lot of us that think, oh, you know, what is going to happen? Where's this going? How are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to, um, you know, the world is, is, is losing people uh, because of illness. And uh, you see the floods. I mean, somebody mentioned today, look at all these floods that have been happening. And, you know, these floods are weird. I mean, it's in places, some, some of these places, it doesn't rain for 100 years. And um, then all of a sudden, there's these floods that are carrying cars away. And that's happening right now. And it's been, it's been hid from us. I mean, the, multi, the, 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 the mass media doesn't even report on these things. Yeah, they, so, they nothing. And some of the floods now, I saw a recent clip, Chris, about some kind of inordinate, like almost a, like a tidal surge that hit Cape Town. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. The whole, the whole, our whole coastline, basically. Yeah, that's that is incredible. And so, what was it? A ten foot tidal surge? How big was it? Uh, it was it was quite big, Doc. Um, in there's one place, Marina Beach, where we uh, used to go quite a lot uh, on holiday. Um, the beach, I would say, is probably a hundred meters. Uh, and then there's a restaurant on the beach. Now. The, it, it never gets to that restaurant, not even close, the water. And, and this, this water came right up and flooded the restaurant and killed seven people. Wow. So um, it's, it's incredibly inordinate weather. And um, it's, it's uh, look, they say it's, well, there's speculation that it's because of solar flares. And the solar flares have caused a lot of uh, shifting in the tectonic plates and the, and the earth. And there was a um, a earthquake offshore, uh, but nobody's talking about that. We don't know. That is just speculation. Well, I, that is something that I've heard. I don't know if it's true or not. So I can't, well, I know there's I been a lot of people talking about you know the the magnetic pole shift, you know, which has gone from Braniff Island to the coast of Siberia, and right. and then of course you have inordinate solar flares, which have really there have been some coronal mass ejections of huge size and depending on how and when they hit the earth makes a difference about what's going to happen there's also this thing that's going on called el nino which is a very much an inordinate heating of the ocean and i mean i've seen photos of uh water off the aleutian chain which is notoriously cold being 40 degrees warmer than normal 40 degrees warmer which is absolutely incredible they've had inordinate weather in britain I mean, it was 80 degrees three days yeah. ago there. And, you know, so yeah. and here we see, and I'm talking, I was talking with a farmer up there on the Western Cape. And he was, you know, he bought a farm up in the high and dry where the whole strategy is how can you, you know, irrigate with very little water. And right. uh, then the floods this winter, he was just absolutely inundated with rain and he had green crops everywhere, right? And that's beautiful. So I think there is, you know, I think there is something happening here, Chris, and, and something else. And of course, there's speculation about this, too. But there, some people have been saying that the sand out of the Sahara is being picked up out of the Sahara and blown over Europe into Britain. And uh, yeah, that's that, yeah. And that they're, they're, you know, they're, they've had to uncover their cards from sand more than one time on multiple occasions. And, you know. I went back in some of our research, we looked at some maps that were, uh, the maps were uh, 
from the 1500s. And in some of those maps, the uh, Africa, the Sahara was green. There's a big river running through the middle of it, three huge lakes, as late as 1532. So the Sahara didn't become dry and become arid until after that. So it's only been, you know, 350 years that the Sahara has been a sand dune. And as Yah made it a sand dune, he can also unmake it in accordance with his desires. You know, there used to be uh, one of the largest lakes in the world was called the Aral Sea in Russia. And it was such a big lake, they called it a sea. That thing is completely gone now. I mean, there's not a drop of anything there. That sea is totally 100% gone. And it would be kind of like, you know, saying the Great Lakes have, have disappeared in the United States, right? That's a lot of water to be completely, uh, you know, completely disappeared. But in the and the flooding had, that has been going on, I mean, you've seen, like, for instance, that hurricane that blew up the middle of the Mediterranean. Have you ever heard of a hurricane coming through the Mediterranean in your lifetime? <laughs> I'd never heard of it. No. But it went all the way through. Yeah. You know, it started with that earthquake in Morocco, and then it went right up the gut, right up the middle of the Mediterranean, ended up in Israel. I saw pictures of the winds, the winds blowing in Safed, Israel. And of course, when it hit Libya, the damage it did in Libya was absolutely catastrophic. I mean, there were 11,000 people killed just like that. When all the dams broke and the rivers came over the top and the flooding that took place, the inordinate flooding. But there's been flooding in, there's been, in, uh, uh, there's been incredible floods in, in uh, China. Unbelievable. In, in flooding in, in uh, Japan. There's been, you know, all this incredible flooding that's going on. What is this all about, right? And I do think that, uh, now, is this the dragon casting out a flood? I don't know if it's the dragon casting it out or if it's Yah casting it out. Because we yeah, are seeing, yeah. we're seeing, uh, we're seeing substantial changes in the world's infrastructure. And what is it bringing us? Yeah, it's judgments a new world. Yeah. But, um, I mean, look, there's nothing that the devil can do that's not in Yah's will. Uh, you know, Hasatan is just just a tool in the arsenal of Yah to bring out his judgment. And um, so when it talks about, you know, here in the, in verse 16, and the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. Well, to me, there's a couple of things that it could mean. But one thing that it that it could signify, and I'm not talking about water now, Talking about the lies that come from the mouth, because the dragon is a deceiver, right? It's, he deceives. Uh, in verse nine, it says the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. Well, the deception that comes out of his mouth is that of the Roman Catholic Church and the precepts of the Roman Catholic Church, in my opinion. Um, but the world protects his people so it doesn't reach it doesn't reach his people because his people know his name and they are protected um but the but that doesn't stop the dragon because in verse 17 it says and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which guard the commandments of Yahweh and have the testimony of Yahusha HaMashiach so there again, 
we've got once again, what is your testimony? Have you got the blood of the lamb on your side? And what is your testimony? And do you love your life uh, so much that you, because obviously that's pride and it gives away your faith uh, if you're in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a situation. So, yeah, you know, whether it's water or rain or flooding or whether it's lies or um, it's, still, it's, still, it's still the devil that thinks that he's over, that he's going to um, infiltrate Yah's people and overtake them and, and win them. But um, Yah has got other, other plans, obviously. Yeah, amen. Yeah, anyway, so that's that's what I got. I think that book of Nicodemus is uh, is is very good. Um, when it's when he when he's when he's talking about the the uh, the, uh, the talk that uh, the evil one has with Satan, um, and he says, you know, you thought that by killing this man you were uh, winning over him, but now look what you've done. You've broken the fetters of everybody that we've had in, in this place. Uh, you've broken the chains of those that were bound. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, that's a similar what's happening, what's going to happen again. You know, you know the devil thinks, oh, he's going to get the upper hand, but in the end of the day, he's, uh, he, he, it's written. The, the whole script is already written. And um, that's our that's our solace. That is our belief. That is our that's where we've got to stand on, you know. Yeah. Not be moved. Yeah, I agree with that, Chris. Well, great word, yeah. And that gospel of Nicodemus, I love that book myself. I mean, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. If if Yah is love, Hasatan is hate. So everything he does spews hate. So it's it's everything lies and the flood of whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. You know, in fact, when, when you look at uh, the book of Jubilees, uh, there is this name Mastima. And people ask, well, what is Mastima? Well, Mastima is just another a Hebrew word for hatred. And it expresses, you know, Satan in his expression of hatred. I mean, that's it. Okay, now before we before we continue on, David, before I get to you, let me go to Sherry Slama real quick. Sherry, did you have something you wanted to add here, sister? Yeah, I, I wanted to know about what you think the significance is of the 2024 eclipse that will complete the Aleph Tav over America in, in the timing that we're in. Yeah, well, I think that the Aleph Tav is the, is the uh, ultimate statement of Yah's authority, period. And when he places the Aleph Tav over the United States, all of this stuff that we've been going through, we, and we've been going through some very serious things since the shooting that happened in Las Vegas on October 1st, 2017, which was Yom Kippur, by the way. And so by the when we get to 2024 of Yom Kippur, that will have been exactly seven years. But that's exactly 70 years in Gregorian time. It's not 1260 years and 42 months, right? Which is a different timing. That is actually completed in August 24th, 2024. And and of course, we're going to see that there's two eclipses in 2024, one in April and one in August. And with the second eclipse, we're going to see the mark of the Aleph Tav is going to appear. Now, I'm, I'm going to show you this just real quickly, and, and I'll show you on the white screen here. 
and you'll see what I mean. So that's interesting that I seen a movie that had August twenty fourth as a time of an alien invasion, a war. Oh, is that right? Yeah. All right. So let's put up here. Let's put up the um. Uh, the continental United States. Okay, so we'll put Texas down here. Wrap it around to Florida over here. And up the East Coast, up to Maine, uh, down around the Great Lakes, and back up here to Washington. Okay, that's a bad continental United States, but that's what you get, okay? All right, so initially we had an eclipse that came in this way over Salem, Oregon, and it crossed over the five Salems and crossed over the United States this way. Now, this was in eclipse the whole time it crossed the United States. And it didn't cross any other country in eclipse, just the United States. Okay, now we're going to be seeing another solar eclipse that comes in in April that's going to do this, comes through Mexico and goes up into Canada. And I don't, I forget the exact place, but this is somewhere, I think, in St. Louis or New or in Illinois or something like this with this apex is right there. So the center of it is Little uh, uh, Cairo, Cairo, Illinois, and nicknamed Little Egypt. Okay, hold on. So this would be Cairo, Cairo, Illinois, Little Egypt. Okay, excellent. All right, and then there's going to be a third eclipse, and the third eclipse does this. It comes in this way, like this. So let me take this back out again. So with this eclipse here, this is the, the Paleo-Hebrew Tav. And the Paleo-Hebrew Tav, this is the Tav. And the Tav is the mark of salvation. And so the Aleph is very interesting because it is a Tav with its arms stretched out. And the Aleph Tav, of course, signifies the Father and the Son. And it also signifies uh, the beginning and the ending. So, so the next one comes in like this. And so this creates an Aleph, a Paleo-Hebrew Aleph. So now we have the Aleph. And with the Aleph, now, we have hit the authority of Yah in its entirety over the continent of North America. And in particular, over the continent of the United States. So, so, so that's what we're talking about here. I wanted to show that. Okay. Now, with that being said. Can, can I make a correction, please? Yeah, sure, Brent. <laughs> go ahead. The second one is October 14th, which is going to go through Salem, Oregon again, like the first one did. But it's going to go down to the Gulf of Mexico. The third one on August 8th, is going to go from Mexico all the way up to the New Madrid, UP, the UP. It goes along the Madrid fault line, um, which is very interesting. They might not know UP. Yeah, yeah. UP. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. But now, isn't there another eclipse in April? April 8th. There's one on October 14th. That's the second one. The third one is April 8th, uh, 2024. That makes the top. Which, makes, which goes through Cairo, Egypt. That's the that's the third one. 
And the first one, my understanding, went to seven Salem's. Right. The United States. And the second one goes to Salem again, which is very interesting, Salem, Oregon, which is, we all know is Shalom, right? Right. Now, this one in October is 2023 or 2024? October is in like three weeks. Three weeks from today is Shabbat. It's three weeks from today is that next one. Okay. And that goes from Salem and goes into the Gulf. Correct. Yeah. And then we have then we have one in April that creates the Aleph. Right. And then there's another one in August of 2024. Uh I didn't I've never gone that far out, so I didn't research that one. I don't I don't have any information on that. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think that the, ultimately these signs of eclipse, of course, this means that Yah's power eclipses the power of the people running the place. That's its fundamental meaning. That Yah's power is going to eclipse the authority of mankind uh, in America. And I think, I mean, we're seeing this now. I mean, of course, a, a lot of a lot of Americans, I, I don't think are prepared. I think there's a lot of Americans that have allowed themselves to become completely dependent upon uh, the secular state. That's what they rely on. That's they have no they have no faith at all. They believe in the state. And so they just, you know, they just they're, you know, whereas the 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 disciple of Mashiach leaned into his bosom during the Last Supper, most of these people lean into the bosom of the state. And when the state fails, they're going to fail. I mean, that's what's going to happen. They're going to fail. And so what do I really think is going to happen, Sherry? I think between now and then, you're going to see the homeless population in the United States triple. You're going to see a housing collapse. You're going to see a market collapse. You're going to see a dollar collapse. You're going to see a banking collapse. And that's assuming that we don't get hit with nuclear weapons, which I think is uh, most likely going to happen. I think Babylon itself, which is the New York, Washington, D.C. corridor, is going to burn in fire. And I think that's coming very, very soon. We have we have people who have absolutely no sense about them whatsoever. They have a hook in their jaw and they're being drugged into uh, a war that should have stopped a long time ago. And right now, it's, it's nothing but zombies in Ukraine. They don't have a military left. And uh, and so we're just going over there and just making the situation worse by putting in larger missiles to take out uh, Russian infrastructure that the Russians are now, I mean, they're having discussions every day in Moscow. When do we take the war to the U.S. and to the U.K.? When do we do it? And when they do, they're not going to be taking it to the U.S. and the U.K. for purposes of starting a, a, an argument, they're going to be doing it with the purposes of crushing their enemy to win a war. And that's something we have to consider. Okay. Thank you, Brian, for your help on that, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Dave's iPad. Dave. Yeah, just, uh, I started to go with one thing with the great fishes. I've, I've caught some great fishes. Uh, you have. What, what do they do? What did they do with the fish? There was a commercial fisherman. The reason why they were dependent on that instead of the increase of the oil like, and, and got corrected is they didn't just leave them on the beach. He told them to go to Yerushalayim and wait for him. Well, what did they do? They took that big haul to town. Now, when you take a big haul to town, it's bonanza. 
what did they do with it? Well, they collected all the, uh, the old demons. It says, come on, let's go. This is what the commandment of the Mashiach master is, Yosha. So they went financed big time. That was a big load of money. I caught it uh, one time I, I was in the most dangerous place in all of the Gulf of Alaska on the Pacific, North Pacific Rim. I, I could tell you why it was dangerous, but it was, uh, I, I, I dropped uh, uh, several long line, uh, long lines in there. And when I started pulling it, two and a half hours later, I had 25,000 pounds on board. And, I, and most, a lot of them were 250 plus to 300, quite a few of them, biggest fish I've ever seen long line. And I call it we, we talk about halibut. What are you talking about? Yeah, halibut, halibut. I was long line, and I had, I had a lot. Of, I had like almost like ten thousand hooks on board. Wow! And so when I when I haul when I haul this wasn't a, that all of it. I hauled that string down that port lock top, which is the most dangerous place. It comes right out of the abyss and jumps right out to a fifteen thousand top, and then runs down a groove. You don't want to fish there if there's any sea running. It'll kill you. I set it in there. And started hauling and got them giant halibut, boom, 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 boom. And I'm talking about they were ricks. That was uh, something. This is great. Fish. About a 250 pound fish. You're talking about something that's what six feet long, three yeah, and a half well, wide. Yeah. The biggest one I've ever caught was uh, uh, the 430 pounds. She's a big old girl. Now, now this, that, those 300 pounders are big. But they ain't nothing like 430 pounders. But anyhow. They, any, anyway, I'm loading them up, and we're going, and boys are trying to butcher them because you got to, to clean them and ice them. And at, all, the whole time I'm watching this this sea because it'll kill you right there. This is the most dangerous place, one of the most dangerous places on in all of North Pacific. Yeah, I've heard about that. Loaded, you get loaded through there, right? Loaded, this. loaded. This, they loaded that net and couldn't get it on board. These boys were professional fishermen. They couldn't get it on board, so they had to drag it up on the beach. They ain't never seen anything like that. They drug it up on the beach, and, and Master's got some fish cooking. Has any boy along with a taste of food? This is what you're. This is what you're fishing for. I've got you some cooked. <laughs> what? Well, next thing you know, he tells them what to do. Well, they're standing there with their mouth open, looking up as he was caught up. And then the Malakim says, hey, what are you doing just staring up in the air like that? And he said, you better get on with doing what, doing what he said. So what did they do? They didn't just jump and run to Jerusalem. They hauled those fish up, took them into the market, sold them, rounded up everybody else and went to Jerusalem. That's what they did. You can't, you don't really need to throw that out. If you're a commercial fisherman, you know that's what, that's what they did. Yeah, right. The deal is now, it looks like to me, the Jews... That are that are partially veiled. There's something happening. Uh, I, I I'm I fellowship and I'm going there right uh, as soon as I quit talking uh, to an outfit that are are Jews, but they know the name. And so I, I've been uh, fellowshipping with them for a lot longer than I know you. Uh, and I don't do it steady, but I've watched them come. See, so they had that flat Earth doctrine and they quit using it because they don't want to disturb the, the deal. That hemisphere th uh, uh, thing that you spoke of last year, when they talked about this is this on this hemisphere, it's a beam in the hemisphere, it's Torah on the other, the other hemisphere. I spoke that last Shabbat to them. It blew their minds. It also blew their minds as sound the show far in the dark moon on, the, uh, uh, what is it, 81? Yeah, Psalm 81, 3. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it blew their minds. So they had been praying for you because I talked to him about what I was praying for you about. And so I said, okay, we're going to pray for him. So now pray for them. 
they're Jews that have that that have a partial veil on it. They don't understand certain things that you're seeing, but it's blowing their minds and there's and, and it's changing them because it's power. I'm going to go there now because that's I've got a commitment to them, but I'm believing for that. Now there's another thing that's happening. You know Isaac in uh, uh, Wenatchee? Yeah, I know Isaac. Yeah, he just had something that he said that is another indicator of that. He's talking about Ephraim and Yehuda being becoming one stick, and he's fellowshipping in that, that that doctrine with people with rabbis from the land. Now, this is a big move for the Hebrew rabbis that are stuck in that thing. Now, when they start talking about who Ephraim is as the ten northern tribes. I've never heard him. I don't listen to him all the time, but I was shot into that. And I remember you talking to him and it just didn't go over. They didn't get anything out of it. They couldn't say his name at all after you show parted right in there and they're in their midst. Now they're coming to understanding who Ephraim is. That's a big move. There's also a, 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 a rabbinic Judaism, uh, Sukkot that's coming that I, I, I didn't know about, but now I'm shot into it with a, like the pus, and it's not very far from where I'm at. I think Vernon and I are going to go to it because we're going to now blow the shofar right in the midst of it. Pray for us. Hallelujah. I will, I will do that, Dave. Huh? I will do that. A, yeah. All right, cool. Have a tobe day and have a tobe trip. Shalom. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Good word. Thank you. And that 430-pound halibut, I got an idea how big that fish was. I remember seeing, I saw a halibut in Kodiak that was, you know, it was as big as a, a as a four by eight sheet of plywood, you know. They were it was frozen, they were hauling it out, you know, but you know, massive. That, that, that was the biggest fish that I that I that I know that was recorded in that whole halibut season in Alaska. And uh the cannery uh swordfish, icicle seafood, uh put it up and it, it was a uh and some of those old timer uh, schooner boys said that's 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 a monster. She's an old girl. Well, I hate that's I hated to kill her because she's such a mother. She mothered millions and millions of fish. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she and she's gigantic. I mean, you wouldn't even believe it. It's just I mean it, uh, that old girl. But now there's some really 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 big ones. They had one swimming alongside a sub that they thought was twenty foot long. Uh, I'm not catching it. I'm not, I don't think they, I'm not catching it. There ain't a long line that'll catch it. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thank you. I just get excited when I talk. Thank, thank you, bud. Thanks, Dave. Okay. All right. Christine, how are you? I'm good. I have a question about the Bessera. Yes. Um, this is another thing I've been taught by, uh, not from scripture directly, um, that there are two words used in the original Greek um, for love. So if these are a bunch of fishermen and they grew up speaking Hebrew, um, what word would they have been using? The word would have been ahava. And there's only one word for love in Hebrew? There's only one word for love in Hebrew, yes. Ahava. Okay. Well, I wonder where that Greek thing came from. Um, yeah. Well, the Bereans got a hold of it and then they cooked it up, you know. And of course, a lot of this stuff, you know, when they talk about the difference between agape and, and uh, eros, right? Isn't, aren't those the two forms? No, phileo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those two forms, uh, and there is a third form, but those two forms are there. It's interesting that they have a distinguishment in, in the Greek. And then they only give us one word for, for the Torah, which is nomos. 
you know, which means nomos means commandment, law, statute, judgment, and everything else you can think of, right? We only get nomos. But but when it comes to love, we get multiple words. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, I suppose that when you get when you get to the to, to that delineation, it's going to be a context. Now we see a lot of things like this in the English language that we're dealing with context, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of how they're dealing, how they deal with the word. You know, and you see it in the Hebrew language too. Like for instance, one of the things we saw when we did the show uh Thursday night when John Barna did the show with uh, Drew and Jesse. We were looking at the uh, the issue of the harpazo, you know, which is harpazo means rapture, but it means in so many cases taken by force or kidnapped. And so you see that, and you're going to see this with almost any word you see in Hebrew, that there's going to be different applications for the word depending on the context. And this is where you get the, the contextual delineation with the two Greek words for love. And, and it's just, it's contextual. They came up with ideas that we're going to use a different word here as compared to this word over here, depending on whether or not you're talking about brotherly love or not, right? And uh, so that's, it's it's a contextual decision by the interpreters, by the translators is what it is. But when you talk about the Hebrew, the Hebrew is, you know, kind of all-encompassing. Well, I think they missed the point that Peter was up or Peter was upset because Hamashiach was asking him three times like he had denied him three times a few days earlier. That's right. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why there was three of them given, right? Because he had mm -hmm. to wash him from all three of those because Peter knew in his own heart that Mr. Courageous, Mrs. Mr. I'm going to die for you, Mr. I'm going to fight and battle and die for you. When push came to shove, he was the coward in the foxhole that it that went out. I tell you the truth, I do not know him. Right? That's what he said. I tell you the truth, I do not know him. And so under those circumstances, he needed to, to have that forgiveness. He needed to have this spoken unto him. And of course, this is the beauty of, of uh, Yosha is that, you know, there is only the sin of blaspheming the Ruach HaKodesh is an unforgivable sin. We're called into being in fellowship with Yahusha. And if we fall down and we make a mistake and we deny him and we say bad things, we do the other things, we, we walk in this direction or that direction, he is ready to forgive us and to restore us. But you have to keep in mind that, uh, you know, Peter would later write, you know, if you've been forgiven like Peter was and you fall away again, you're a dog going back to your own vomit and it's going to be a hundredfold worse for you when you do. So that's something to think about. Anyway, does that answer your question, Christine? Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay. John Barr? Hey. Yeah, a couple of things that links the Vatican to all of this and the Probably the first is the, the term pontiff, which is a term referred to, we used to refer to the Pope, pontiff. Latin, Latin, that's a Latin word that means bridge. It's very old, <clears throat> and uh, that, that was the name of a religious position, even in the Republic, of whoever was like a high priest to the Temple of Mars, 
whoever was high priest or priestess to some other temple, to some other deity. When the church came along, that term was used, Roman church, uh, a Latin term, even for the position of bishop. That bridge, that pontiff term, when the republic became an empire and there was an em emperor, the emperor's official religious title was pontiff to all religion. He was the high priest to every religion in the empire of Rome. That's why they, they eventually made some of these guys God's will. So <clears throat> that term is what has kept the empire religious or otherwise alive unto this day. And it's still used terminology for the position, the, the religious title of the universal, the world church is the bridge, the substitute for the son of God on the earth. So they can't shake this. You can't hide anymore. <laughs> and the other thing about it, the connection with Napoleon, Napoleon arrested um, at least two popes in the time of his reign in Europe. And he probably arrested somebody down there after he came back from trying to take down Russia. <laughs> um, at any rate, the position survived. I think that the church was without a pontiff for about six years, somewhere in there because of Napoleon's dealing with the church, which he obviously didn't like at all. Yeah, Napoleon then, had that going on, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he got confused. And of course, when the revolution in France took place, they totally, you know, the church was a, get out of here, leave us alone. So there was a conflict <clears throat> um, with this church by a number of kingdoms, if you will, including Great Britain. Um, but the, the region that the Roman church controlled on the peninsula of Italy, before it was Italy, went from Venice, a little south of Venice, all the way down to Naples. After Naples, it was the kingdom of Naples. Uh, Venice was, became a republic, totally separated from everybody. And so they had part of northern Italy until the Habsburg came along, Austria had some some of that property all the way down to Vincenza. But this part in the middle of the peninsula was called a papal state. Anybody interested can go Google this stuff. It's pretty wild history. Um, before there was any Italy national state. But that papal state was eaten up by the Lombards over several hundred years as they acquired um, real estate and the papal state basically disappeared until it was just a little bitty place in Rome. And then it was Benito Mussolini, very nice religious man, who instituted the Vatican as a state, as a nation, nation state status, created the boundaries of the Vatican as it is today in this, within the city of Rome. So this 
empire um, was obviously among one of the kingdoms of this world that uh, Satan showed to Yahusha and said, you know, I'll give you all these if you'll worship me. Yeah. So who does that tell us is the caretaker of the kingdoms of this world? <laughs> and the, the last one, I mean, it's an illusion in his mind. He, he forgets that Yahweh owns the dirt that all those kingdoms sit on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that illusion continues to this day. That, that last final kingdom, we are seeing it in its last temper tantrums. Yep. Which That's is going to be labeled the great, great tribulation. That's a great way to put it, John. They're in there. I'll give you an example of the difference between the tribulation in the Great Tribulation, when Napoleon invaded Russia, the Russians call that time of history the Patriotic War. They don't call it the War of 1812. To them, it's their Patriotic War. They all had to fight to survive, to defeat Napoleon. It's an amazing story. But when Hitler came in the 1940s, what he did, they call, they don't call that World War II. To them, it's the great patriotic war. So you can imagine the difference between being invaded by Napoleon and Hitler. So that's, they, they know what's coming. They've had theirs. Very interesting. Yeah. It's also kind of scary, but we have Psalm 91. So you think uh, you're thinking, John, that we're um, we're coming into the Great Tribulation, not merely tribulation. I it, it it's clear we're in some some area of tribulation. The northern, or excuse me, the western old empire of Europe is coming apart, and that coming apart is going to be coming here. And how much more it comes apart will become labeled a great tribulation that has never been before the time of the earth. So, but on the other hand, his, his people, those who are in him, and, and it, the in him is like, I like this where he said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Um, that vine stretches all over the world, everywhere, everywhere. It's been it's been growing and getting branches added to it for over two thousand years. So that's one way to look at where 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 am I? Am I in that vine, or am I in something else? I want to be in the vine. Yeah, and that's just, of course a spiritual. It's a spiritual thing, but it's also beautiful for us who are believers. It's going to be really John, bad for I, others. I agree with you that Europe is coming apart. I mean, you can see, for instance, uh, you know, the sanction protocol that was exacted against Russia. Virtually every European nation is now in violation of those sanctions. They're buying record 
gas and oil from Russia. Hungary had uh, both Hungary and Poland and Bulgaria have all turned on Ukraine. They will not allow Ukrainian agriculture to come into Europe. They're blocking. Yeah. Like, and the, the, the turn of Poland is very important because Poland is predominantly Roman Catholic nation. And they were insti they instituted at one point um, an invasion of sorts, didn't last very long, of the of Russia, when they claimed they had the son of Ivan the Terrible, Dmitry. And that for some time they were able to fool the Russians and put Dmitry on the throne as a czar over them until it was found out. Um, and they have been a great, you know, beating the drum about this war in Ukraine. And just a week or so ago, they flipped. They, yeah, they turned. They, yeah, they turned. They presented Ukraine with a $23 billion bill. Right. So we're not putting anything more in there. And now there's actually talk about potential Polish aggression into Western Ukraine against Ukraine that Ukraine would be facing a second adversary. But the key is, is that there's no unity happening in the EU anymore. No. And even Turkey, uh, who's always been an applicant into the EU, but the second largest army in NATO, second only to the US, has said, we don't need Europe anymore. We're gonna, we're gonna go the other way. We're gonna pull out from all of this. We're not gonna be a part of that anymore. And so this marks a huge change. And so you're right. And what's happening, of course, economically in Europe is huge. And this tidal wave of immigration that's coming in from Africa is, I mean, there was a point, there was a, an Italian island that had 2,000 people on it. They got 6,000 refugees come off boats on that island. And the Italians are like, hey, what? You know, you guys can't all fit into a single pizza hut, right? So they have since transported him out. But uh, uh, Maloney, who's the who's a, actually an Irish girl running Italy right now, you know, mm -hmm. they try to say that she's uh, Italian. But, you know, here's this blonde haired Irish girl running Italy. But, you know, she is at her wit's end. She doesn't know what she's doing in Italy. It's an impossible thing to manage. And, of course, these refugees are coming by the tens of thousands. And they're all males between the ages of 18 and 35. Just like coming over the Mexican border, they're all males, 18 to 35, and there's millions of them coming over. And so how do you stop this, this wave that's coming in? Well, you know, this is Yah's word saying, you fall away from me, you will build houses and not live in them. You will plant vineyards and not drink of the fruit because it will be given to another. Strangers will rule over you. And this is what's happening. So anyways, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we're seeing that. Go ahead, Alicia. You wanted to add something? I just want to add that sanctions are the same as do not buy and sell. They're the same. It's the same thing. You can't buy and sell whoever is sanctioned. So it's the same thing. Hmm. Interesting. It's its own mark. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, John. All right, let's go to Doug. Doug Fassett, how are you? Well, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, Shabbat Shalom. Um, one thing that I wanted to wanted to point out about the eclipse that's coming up on October the fourteenth 
that one starts, of course, in Salem and goes through Oregon and then down through Utah, just clips over Arizona and then goes through parts of New Mexico and then goes through Texas, down through San Antonio and then goes out to the sea and then goes over the Yucatan Peninsula and then goes over, goes all the way through Central America, crossing through um, all of the uh, Central American countries and going through Panama, Panama and Colombia and crossing over Brazil before it goes, gets dark. So uh, that's, uh, that's that one. Then, then the, uh, then the uh, Taw, of course, is on April the 8th. And that is the final total eclipse over North America. There are no others over North America after that. So um, that those are the, the three and only three. Yeah, perfect, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, um, there was uh, another thing that um, in the uh, in in the uh, Aramaic, John, when uh, the question is asked to Kipa, the first time he asks to asks him to take care of my lambs. It's the word for lambs. In the second one, it is take care of my sheep, and it's the word for sheep. And in the third time, it's take care of my ewes, and it's the word for ewes. In the Greek, of course, it's the same thing, all all three, but not in the Aramaic. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. That's very interesting. So you have, you've got kind of three different classes, if you will, of discussion. You know, lambs, which would be the innocent, what the children. Sheep, males, and the ewes, the females, right? Yes, the females and the widows. I, I look at it as the widows. Mm -hmm. Now, Doug, before you go, can you talk to us a little bit about the um, about the the uh, Bible code that you picked out? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you pick that out of the Daniel uh, 12, or where did that come out of? That's out of Revelation. It's in one chapter of Revelation. It's in Revelation chapter 22. And the uh, it is only in Revelation 22. It's between Revelation 22, verse 16, and Revelation 22, or uh, 21, verse 16, to 22, verse 2. And it starts at the foundation of the temple. And the whole code is to show that this is the promise. The tribulations are coming and all of it is coming. And there is one word in there that says arise. And that arise actually means to stand, to stand strong, to stand firm. It doesn't mean to be plucked away. It means to stand and stand strong. And um, I took that, took the, uh, took that from um, parts from Daniel, parts from um, Ezekiel nine one through nine eleven. That's where the uh, 
the inkhorn comes in, where the inkhorn is crossing over um, the start and the stop of the uh, uh, 1,290 days to the 1,335 days. And um, it, uh, it basically shows uh, the, uh, the inkhorn, which of course, the writer with the inkhorn, he's not going to use a quill pen. He's gonna dip his finger in the, in the ink well and mark it on their foreheads. And um, there are every there are 30 terms in there. It's very, very difficult to uh, go through and describe it to others. I've, I've gone through that. It took us like three hours uh, talking to uh, um, the uh, group of, uh, of we're all ex code searchers. There's there's 10 of us. And um, went through that. And it is very difficult to um, to do this. Every last term in there touches another term or shares a letter with it. At, at, at the most, the two letters touching each other of a word. Uh, most of the time, letters share letters. Say, for instance, in there, there's the uh, word um, in, in my glory. And that was something he, that he told me, and that's what I searched for. And it's in my glory, and the last letter in my glory is, and arise goes there, and arise goes down, and, and arise touches the wise, and the, and the wise touches the ones purifying themselves, and so on. It's, it's, it's a... Interconnected. Yes, it's an interconnected verse, as as, as it were. It's like, uh, and and Sukkot comes in there, and I I will, um, put out a video on that, and I'll I'll share that on the uh, on the, um, I put it on the on the uh, separate uh, Telegram channel, the the two pictures and the uh, and the uh, term table. So that has got the terms. That was very helpful, Doug. That was very helpful. And I did get a chance to take a close look at it. But your explanation is really fantastic here. And did you have any dating in that? Uh, no, no. That's that. This is what's really interesting. The only dating is in there is the, the, is the uh, Sukkot. And that is right in the middle where the uh, the storm is. The, the storm and coming on the cloud is there interestingly enough the odds on that um and i generally don't don't go the odds because most of the time i don't get tables with 30 actually 30 is cut down 30 is cut down when when uh, the code finders and i were going through this we had 50 terms oh wow and the odds of that one well, the odds of this one are 1.23 times 10 to the 18th power. In other words, 18 zeros. It's 
quadrillion to one odds. Uh, the one with 50 terms was uh, 5.99 with uh, 21 zeros behind it. So this is this is the uh, the the most powerful Bible code I have ever seen. And uh, like I said, it's it is all in uh, Revelation where it's talking about the the gemstones that are the foundation. And of course, he calls us his precious stones and stones is in there um, as well. It's, there is just so much that I almost have to force myself not to expand it. Yeah, no, I've kind of put it up here. Let me see if I can expand this just a little bit where we can see it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, so here we are. I am at the door, the in-gathering. You shall be gathered. Yahweh, Sukkot. And then here's the 12 of 90, the 1335 days. Now, can you talk a little bit, Doug, about these, the 1290 and 1335? In fact, let me see before we get to that. Let me see if I could just real quick, like, read that passage out of Daniel and right. idea what's going on with those days, okay? So this is going to be from uh, Daniel 12. And in Daniel 12, I'm just about there, hold on. It reads this way, it says, um, and he said, go your way, Daniel, this is 12.9. Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. Now, you have the wise in here as part of the code, right? Yes. Yeah, there it is. And purified. And purified. That's in this code. Okay. But the wise shall understand and be purified. And from the time of the removal of the daily lifting up, which is probably prayer, and the giving of the abomination of desolation, there shall be a 1,290 days. Blessed is he that waits and comes to the 1,305 and 30 days. But go you your way till the end, for you shall rest and stand in your lot at the end of days. Okay, so uh, can we talk a little bit? What is this 1290-1235, Doug? Well, 1335. Uh, those, are, those are just the gematria, which is the olive is, uh, is the 1,000, and, 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 and the rest is 200. Hold on, just hold on, just one second. Hold on a second. Oh, there'll be no surrender. See Stephen there. I got it. Okay. Go ahead, Doug. So um, it's it's just the uh, um, one thousand is the all uh, and the resh is two hundred, and the uh, um, and the um, zadi is ninety. So the interesting thing is. These two, the the two hundred one thousand two hundred ninety, uh, 
both of those words. One is, this one is horizontal at a skip of four, as you can see. And the other one is vertical at a skip of 164. Because the, the, the total skip is 41, and then another vertical term is 82, and the next vertical term is 123, the next vertical term is 164, and, and then it's uh, 185, and so on. So the, uh, this first one is a vertical term, the other one is a horizontal term, and both of them use the same uh, uh, zadi. And they they meet up down here at the um, at the uh, um, Olive Shin Lamed Hay, which is one thousand, which is the Olive um, um, Shin, which is uh, three hundred uh, um, Lamed uh, thirty, and Hay five. So, and um well and, do you have, i mean i can tell you i've got people who have been talking about the dates saying that you know it's it's conveniently 1290 days from march 11th 2021 uh to today yeah 923 2023 right and right. And then, of course, 1335 is going to put us out at November 5th, which will be after the conclusion of Sukkot. Right. And after the after the second um, um, eclipse as well, which is October 14th. So and what I'm looking at with the eclipse and seeing that where it's going is it's cutting off the invaders that are coming in. Ah, okay. And what do you mean by that? Well, it's going through Texas, and it's going through um, uh, all of the uh, uh, Central America. It's going right through Panama. That's where they're coming from, right up through all of that way. See, it actually, it it's a the the one that I see actually goes a little bit. Yeah, here it is. It's going through Panama. Right. Yeah. So it's going through, going through it, and all of the uh, South Americans, those are the ones that are coming up. I mean, I've been watching on uh, on redacted uh, the reports from uh, um, from Panama, the the thousands and thousands of people that are coming through there every single day and coming up through Colombia. So they're they're coming up in in this direction through here. So. Yeah. I think that I I think that there's going to be something that's part of this is going to we're going to stand up and say something about it. And that's that's what that uh, arise and arise is. Ah, okay. All right. I see where you're coming from on that. Yeah, very interesting, Doug. Very very interesting commentary. On this, on this Bible code, the most significant Bible code you've ever seen. And this Bible code is loaded for bear and is showing us something. Now, whether or not we've, we're at 1290 and 1335 days, I can't say. I don't yeah. know. 
that is, uh, you know, that's a, a, a speculative starting point coming in from uh, from uh, from March 21st or March 11th. Rather, sorry. Another thing is, and it's not showing in this one, but it is there, is the two sticks are together. And they and they start with the, the sticks, of course, are a iron zadi. And the zadi that's used, of course, is that is that zadi from the uh, from the twelve ninety. And the iron is at uh, the spot that the uh, one one thousand two three hundred thirty five is. Oh really? There's, yes, there's two it's, sticks it's connected during this period of time. Yes, they're not only connected; they're one is at a skip of uh, 160, and the other one is at a skip of 320. That's a, exactly the same angle. The one is in the middle of the other one. So the two sticks are there. Also, believe it or not, Yehuda is there going vertical, and Israel, Israel is going um, diagonally. Off and Israel starts with a yaw that is right next to the hay in in uh, in um, Yahuwah, and the uh, the Dalit in Israel is uh, in the middle of um, in His glory. So there, like I said, we went through fifty of them, and it. This this thirty is really really good, but there is so much more. And that fifty, I talked to them two days ago about, and I've added another ten or fifteen terms onto that. So it's it's just absolutely incredible. And like I said, everything touches. It's it's the one thing that. You can say about revelations, they or revelation, they they didn't know what it meant, so they left it alone. And that's what it shows. They didn't didn't hide the writing that he put in there. Even though they changed the names. Um right. because Yahuwah is no longer in there and and Yahusha is not in there either. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Well, just for our own benefit here. On March 11th, 2021, uh, Biden signed into law H.R. 1319, which was a $1.9 trillion supplemental appropriations bill, commonly referred to as the American Rescue Plan. This was in response to the coronavirus pandemic throughout 2020, including the CARES Act and the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. So this was uh, a $1.9 trillion supplement to the budget. And this came this came about, this the, basically the pandemic plan was initiated on March 11th, 2021. And uh, so here we are. Blessed are those that will make it to 1,335 days, right? Brian, have you got something you can add to this, brother? Uh, yeah, uh as you know, I'm a numbers guy, but I don't do gematria. I'm just saying I, I got to be very careful. 
Because Yah is a uh, pattern Yah, and he's a numbers guy, Yah, and he's a frequency Yah. That's how he put things together. There's a book of numbers for a reason. So I'm very careful. Oh, but, 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 but Brian, let me say this about Doug's uh, uh, gematria here that he was talking about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, in this particular case, he's using the gematria not to assign a gematriac meaning to the word. Right, right. show you how you would find the numbers in the code. Right. right. That I'm not saying I'm talking about when when they start mixing letters and numbers and stuff together. That, that, I don't go down that road. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. but I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying I don't go down that road. I'm just doing you a little background on how I think. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So I, I don't know about that stuff. Um. Anyway, um. The reason I was bringing this up was two things, twofold. One was came at when Doug was speaking there. Um. There's a person out there that believes that the Daniel timeline could be converted to years. So that would be 2,625 years. And that brings you to about 599 uh, B, uh, BC when Solomon's temple was destroyed and the, and the daily sacrifices were taken away. That brings you to 2026 if you go on that timeline. With, with that said, um, also... I would like somebody's uh, opinion on the 1335. I found one scripture, the ABB plus, which actually says 1335 in the book of Daniel. But you look at the Strong's, it's really a, a zero. It's 1330, which makes more sense because the difference between 1330 and 1290 is 40 days. Um, you got 40 years in the wilderness. You got 40 uh, days. Yahushua was in the wilderness a day for a year again. You got Yahushua spent 40 days in the wilderness representing the 40 years in wilderness they spent. So that brings me to my finding I found this week, and I find it interesting that we're reading about the 153 fish. And it's always intrigued me, why 153 fish? I mean, it wasn't 150, it wasn't 152. Why 153 fish? Yeah, yeah I was trying to show us something here, and I've looked at all kinds of angles, and I still haven't came up with one, but this week, one popped up, and it's interesting we read that this Shabbat here, is I didn't realize when the incorporation of the U.S. United States happened. I just found that out this week. I didn't. I knew it was, but I didn't know the year. It was uh, proposed in 1870 and was completed in 1871, but never ratified. You, know, you probably know way more than I knew about this. I don't know anything about that. But I happen to notice that 153 years later, he brings it to 2023 and 2024. I just found that very interesting. Then I started thinking, were they in Egypt under bondage 153 years? That's my question. Could that yeah, be that's possible? That's a very good question, Brian. That's a very good question. And when you're talking about that, I mean, I can tell you the the 430 years that's talked about, you know, from Abraham until they cross into the Holy Land. I've gone back and calculated that date continuously, and I can tell you that date begins when Abraham was told to leave Haran and to Correct. go into Canaan. That's where it begins. And so the, the captivity in, in Egypt was not 430 years. Correct. They were, they were captive there for a lot fewer years. It's very possible it was 153 years. You go through the life of Joseph, and shortly after the life of Joseph, when, when his life ends— the you know there's a change up there's a uh, an overthrow of the pharaohs the pharaohs were a completely different race up until the time of moshe when the pharaoh queen 
uh, adopted Moshe as a son. She, and they were usurped by an entirely different race of pharaohs that took place. And that's why they say they didn't remember Joseph. They didn't mm -hmm. remember Joseph because they didn't want to remember Joseph. Because mm -hmm. they were different pharaohs. They were a different tribe. Mm -hmm. So was it 153 years? It may have been 153 years total. Or the, or the 153 years could also signify the time of their enslavement, right? Right. Not just, not just the whole time in Egypt, but the time of their enslavement. Right. When they sold their homes. First they sold their homes. Then they sold themselves into slavery. That's when it started, right? Yeah. Now, uh, but now let me ask you something. When you talk about this dating system in Daniel, of course, we have a day is equal to a year is a premise that is given to us in Ezekiel 4-5, where he was told to lie on his side for 390 days for the house of Israel. Mm -hmm. each day equal to a year. And he was told to lie on his side for 49 days for the house of Judah, each day equal to a year. Right. But if you go back in Deuteronomy, he didn't invent that. Each day equal to a year is referenced in the book of Deuteronomy too, that prophetically, this is what it means. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at these, when you look at these dates, all of these dates kind of come together, if you will. Uh, and the, and, you know, the question of the 1290, uh, you know, is it possible that we're talking about 1290 days from the, uh, well, let's just, let's calculate it real quick. Let me get my calculator open here just a second. But if we have, because you keep in mind that the, um, the Dome of the Rock, right, which is an Islamic temple, mm -hmm. right, um, it was completed in the year 688 A.D., They've been right. building it for a while, but it was completed in 688 AD. All right. Right. So now let's take 688 and let's add 1290 days to that. Well, it's it's already in the print. I didn't do it, but I got this in the mail one day. <laughs> it's called Wedding Invitation 2026. And it says the temple was uh, destroyed in 599. The, that dome that you're talking about went up in 691 a CE Common Air. And that may therefore the 1,335 years would bring you to 2026, the fall of 2026. I don't know. No, that's just, not what I'm getting. If you take 688 years, 688 plus 1335, it puts you at 2023. Counting zero. Oh, okay. 688 plus 1335 takes you to takes you to 2023. Yeah. Okay. Did you, did you, did you, did you, hold on. Yeah. I'm trying to decide who else is going on here. We got some other discussion going on here in the back room. All right. So, but with all of that being said, we have we've got some very interesting calculations. Anyway, all these numbers tend to point to the same place, right? Exactly, same time frame. That's what I'm saying. Too many numbers are pointing to this time frame. It's crazy. Yeah. The more and more I look at it, the more numbers point to this time frame. It's yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah, you got to remember though, when you cross from a uh, BC to AD, you got to remember there's no year zero. Right. So one is AD is really zero. So you have to subtract a year off the total. So 2023 is really 2022. It goes from 1 BC to 1 AD. There's no year zero between the two. And so it's not like a number line. You take the picture of a negative number line and a positive number line. There's a zero in between them. You don't got that in time. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's a very important point. Yeah. So, I mean, so here we are. Here we are, Brian. So we've got, 
You know, and there's other numbers that point to all of this too, that there's been revelation. You know, like for instance, when you take the number of uh, 390 that was given to Ezekiel, you know, the, the Northern Kingdom was dispersed in 722 BC. When you multiply that times the 2350, which is a sevenfold increase to the curse of 390 days, it takes you to 2018. No, excuse me. It takes you, it takes you to 2008. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. In 2008, this is where we see this awakening that took place exactly. among the people. Exactly. So the people are called out of their, you know, churchianity and called into the truth of scripture. So it was a very interesting situation. Yeah. Yeah. I so, find it very interesting. Yeah, because the 2730 is very interesting. It's similar to the 2625 that Daniel is talking about. I don't know why they don't match, but you, you'd think they would, but they don't. Just a different different things are obviously pulling from right 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 um just a minute. but then you, then you see these eclipses coming up you, you just think that there's something going to go down i don't know i mean the aleph that's pretty that's pretty uh i mean uh, i i'm not in much in the hebrew but the aleph my understanding is also could mean a thousand and so that just she speaks to of to me speaks to me is you know the next millennium right a thousand years no a day, a thousand years a thousand years to a day well that's enough you know they brian to be frank with you that's gematria brother i know that's what i'm saying i like that's what i'm saying <laughs> but when you see it in scripture that's what i'm saying you gotta be very careful if you see it in scripture they use the aleph sometimes when they do numbers in scripture do they, that's what i'm saying this is over my pay grade they you would know way more than me on that. I, I don't no, know. They absolutely do, Brian. They absolutely do. They use the word Aleph is used for a thousand. Yeah. Now, but this is very interesting what you're saying. Is the millennium rain going to break out here when the Aleph forms? I don't know. Well, if it is, I mean, all of this stuff is, is very interesting. So, uh, you know, what have we been in right now? I mean, you know, of course, you know, a lot of times we don't see prophecy for the trees. You know what I mean? The prophecy is right in front of us. We can't see it. Like, for instance, when the, when the pandemic came, the whole world would be seduced by their forestry, would be deceived by their sorcery, by their pharmacia, right? And the whole world was deceived by their pharmacia. That prophecy was realized. The whole world was deceived by the pharmacia. And that, and that and by the way, that deception is still going on right now, still right in our faces. It's in our face right now. You know, so uh, something to think about. Anyway, very good points. Uh, Doug, thank you for sharing your your code with us today and giving us that expression. Brian, thanks for your feedback on that issue. It's greatly appreciated. And Sherry, thanks for your inordinate and difficult, super taxing question. <laughs> Just kidding you. Okay. Tina, Tina Agundes. There you go. Well, I was going to ask, you know, about the 1290 days but i'm like a little confused now yeah well i mean it is because, confusing. well let me because if you remember was it march 11th when the first one happened remember you were talking about it and you said that was the alpha and then the next one that came would be that tov and that would cover the 1290 days but now i'm hearing a bunch of other things so i guess maybe it's changed uh I think there's more than one level. I think it's days and years. I think it's 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 multi-level, just like the 70 weeks of Daniel. Yeah, you got to keep in mind that that first that first eclipse was a lot more than 1290 days ago. Uh, 
Tina, the first eclipse happened on August 23rd, 2017. And so that was, you know, that was seven years ago. Well, because I remember we were talking about it when it happened and you said, okay, this starts the 1290. No, I didn't. But I, was... I, I said that starts, what that is, is that marker started, uh, that was the first mark that would mark over the U.S., this total eclipse of the U.S. Then you would see the stars, the sign in the heavens on September 23rd of that very right. same year, which you really didn't start to count because it was a birth of a male, male child. You can't really start the count until the eighth day. And the eighth day was October 1st, which was Yom Kippur. And on October 1st, there was a shooting in Las Vegas where 55 people were killed. Which right. Blood sacrifice to Yom Kippur, a human sacrifice to Yom Kippur that was executed on that day. And that began the marker of Revelation 12 sign. But the Revelation 12 sign was going to be 1260 days from there. It was going to be 1,200, let me see if I can calculate this. Yeah, that's what it was, what you said. Yeah. And that has to do with going from the war in the heavens to uh, the war in the, um, let's see, the war to the Satan being cast to the earth and making war with the saints. Okay, okay. So let's count the and, days. So if we go from... If we go from go October 1st, 2017, let me do that. Let me do this way. 2017. Um, yeah. I've got the wrong day. I got the wrong calculator up here. I'll have to look at it again while someone else is talking. Maybe I can figure it out. But at any rate, it takes us into March of 2021. The 1260 days. If I'm okay, if I'm okay. correct about that, it takes us into March of 2021. Let me see. And then we have 42 months from March of 2021 that's going to take us to the end of the battle of Satan making war against the saints on earth. That would be the Revelation 12 sign. Okay. And then I have one more question because us girls have been kind of chatting about it privately. Uh, clean About clean fish. Halibut's considered something you can eat. Isn't that a bottom feeder? Well, we have been having a big debate about that up here in Alaska because the scripture says that uh, the, the fish has to have scales. Right. And some people look at a halibut and say that fish has got no scales. But Daniel, uh, my friend Daniel, he says, oh, no, look, if you look closely at the fish, you'll see it has scales. So if David was still here with us, he could give us a, a, a very accurate detail of whether or not halibut had scales or not. I can tell you that even though it may have scales, uh, currently I don't eat halibut, but maybe someone will convince me that I can. Yeah, somebody needs to convince me too because I love halibut, but I have never been eating it because it's a bottom feeder. Yeah, yeah. It is a bottom feeder, that's for sure. Yeah. So anyway, right, we'll have well, to leave it at that, Tina. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, Catherine, are you there? Catherine Wilmot, you are there. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, there you are. 
Yeah, a couple of things, really. Um, you said about um, the Egyptians being usurped, and I totally agree with, with you there, because when you go to the British Museum, you see um, a pharaoh with red hair, but then you've got the Africans saying, well, they also had pharaohs. So I need to work out who you serve too. Yeah, that's, uh, that is the point. And in fact, uh, John Barr has spoken to this a little bit. And I can tell you that um, it looks to me like you had Caucasian, for lack of a better term, pharaohs, mm. right on up until Moshe. And then from yeah. there, the pharaohs were changed. A different house took over the took over the throne in Egypt. That's why. They yeah, didn't. it would have been the African, well, one of the African tribes then that took over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, also another thing. Um, Doug, um, spoke about Charles in one of his codes. Now, you know, I'm doing the bloodlines to David um, and I find it very very interesting the royals and what we've been doing in the ark I wanted to know if Doug could elaborate on that because he mentioned it last week now we all know Charles is in with the WEF and he's one of the biggest um, elites I'll say no more because um, I don't want to get into Catherine, Catherine, I I didn't have anything on Charles in there, and there are no names of anyone at all in in this code, and there are no dates, and um, the only okay. So uh, it's a misconception. I'm sorry about that. I don't I don't believe I said Charles because uh, I may have said the king, and that yeah, the king yeah. misconstrued. Uh, but it's not not the uh, the only king that was looking for in that it was the uh, the uh, seat of David uh, the the ancient seat or the uh, going on seat of David so to speak right yeah not, okay. uh, not the usurped seat of David that is claimed with Charles and and uh, and those now this is going to shock everybody. This what my information, what I've got. We have now proven um, the Bose Lions, the Queen's um, family on the maternal side, does come from the seed of David. Yeah, they're what happens Robert, is they're related to Robert mm -hmm. the Bruce, correct? That, yeah, they went to Robert the Bruce which is Robert II. Then from there, they go down to Ireland. Then they go to Tiamar, I mean, Tiatefi. Tiatefi um, is a couple of generations down from King David. So the female line is... 36. From... No, she, 28 generations from David. Excuse me. Yeah, so um, so that is 
completely surprising because we've got the likes of um, what's his name? Um, I've forgotten. Charles, what's it? It's a cup of tea. What's it? The Antichrist and a cup of tea. Oh, uh, Cohen. Yeah, Tim yeah, Cohen. Cohen. His name, he's changed it to Cohen. He's not the man you think he is. Let's don't talk about Tim Cohen. Okay, we won't talk about him. But basically, he's got quite a number of things wrong. I'm not going to stand up for the, the royal family at all. Um, because there's a lot of dodgy things going on there with the WEF. But um, also, what I really wanted to do, Stephen, was pray for the lambs and give a little testimony, if that's okay. Right. It's pretty hard for me as an individual to open up about trauma. But just over a week and a half ago, the police saved my son from getting murdered by somebody with a hunting knife. No ordinary hunting knife. It had jagged edges and everything. And this person tried to hide it under my son's shed. But the police caught her in the act, trying to break into my son's house. And the intention was to murder him. And I just want to thank Yah for his mercy. And I just think we have got to pray not only for the protection of all our children, but there's so many children being trafficked. Um, there's a lot being going on in Texas as well with the cartels and children included besides drugs. And I just think we have to pray for the innocent lambs of this world, whether they know Yah or don't know Yah, because Yah has such mercy and such love for us who know him as our Heavenly Father. And um, I think we've got to pray continuously for the youth. We've got um, Bill Gates wanting to vaccinate again. And there's threats of children being vaccinated in schools in America and things like this. And I just think that we as a remnant have got to keep praying for our children. And I just thank you that this woman is now locked up. And my son was saved by... Um, the British police, because um, it would have destroyed me as a mum. How did they capture him? Hey? How did they capture her? Well, what had happened was she was creating such a scene outside David's house. He got frightened and he called the police. She was threatening to murder him. And he wasn't believing it. And the police kept saying to him, don't let her in. Don't open the door. Now, if I had said to David, don't open the door, what would he have done? Open the door. 
But the police were telling him not to open the door because they could hear her creating at the door. She was trying to break down the door. And she was and, saying things like, I'm going to kill you? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. And he, she was saying it loud enough for other neighbors to hear? Yeah, but but he but he didn't quite believe it. He thought, no, she's just a woman. She's not going to harm me. But it was the police. While she was on the phone, they were recording and listening to everything that was going on. And they said to David, do not open that door. Do not open that door. When they came, she ran around the, the side of the house. And as they caught her, she was trying to hide at this hunting knife. Yeah, now this is interesting because didn't you say that she was a Zulu woman from South Africa? Yes. Yes, she was a Zulu woman from South Africa. But she, and, and she kept was, screaming yeah. about, she skipped kept um screaming about um um about her culture and um it will be a shame on her um for not killing a white South African. Did she use the word boar? No. She just said white South African. Okay, okay. All right. So that's what I wanted to know, uh, Catherine, because I think this may be a prophetic symbol for us, as something to think about. And because Yah protected him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I want everybody to pray for Stephen's trip. He will be going in da dangerous locations. Um, they do have to submit and agree with everything the Zimbabwean police say. Um, because the situation in Zimbabwe has got a bit worse since Robert Mugabe has passed on. According to relatives of mine in Zimbabwe, things are even worse. So I really want everybody in Torah tonight to keep Stephen and Stephanie and Chris and his wife in deep prayer for when they travel. Um, you know, it's it's a big thing that Stephen's doing. Um, so keep Stephen in your prayers. And then if we can please pray for the children, Stephen, in the world. Um, Talk about the children in the world, Catherine. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're if you're aware of the kinds of things that are going on uh, in Ukraine concerning Ukrainian children. Yes, I've heard um, a lot of them were guinea pigs as well. It's um, absolutely horrific, and yeah. yeah, and the thing is, yeah, about praying for the children. Look, it's not just the children that are being trafficked, but it's also it's everything. In the school system, and this is part of a dying empire that they, we've turned uh, on our children as prey, and it's really mm. quite quite uh, pathetic. But it's something that Yah has projected. Okay, let's do that. I will pray, Catherine, and we've got some other Thank people. You. Talk, so Thank you. Thank you. They've made a blood drinking witch their ambassador now, Marana or whatever her name is. Ria Abramovich. Yeah, mm. blood drinking witch. Yeah, and who does spirit cooking? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that spirit cooking. It's so gross, it's hard to believe. 
You know, you know whose sister was involved with that uh, that lady, the uh, vice president's sister. Uh, What's you talking her? current vice president or the former? Yes, current. Her sister was involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, here we go. I mean, you know, when when our country is led by these kinds of people, uh, you know, the people suffer, the people mourn, right? When the when the wicked when the rulers are wicked, the people mourn. And that's where we are. Okay, well, we will pray. Catherine, I'm going to save the prayer to the end, but we will pray for the children, okay? Yes, thank you ever so much. And we will keep praying for you and your trip to South Africa and Zimbabwe. And I'll keep you in my prayers daily. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on Monday. <laughs> okay, Catherine, I'll be in touch this weekend, okay? Okay. All yeah. right, then. Love you in your thank you, Catherine. Okay. Okay, Angelo, how are you, brother? Shabbat shalom, my brother. And again, prayers to you and yours through your whole travels coming up. Goes without saying. We're all praying for you very much. Um, you. I wanted to lift up a good word um from all of this. We know we're certainly in a season, and so with the storm whatever that might be, and to the details that will be revealed to us. I wanted to just share uh, Kizion. Revelation, uh, Kizion chapter 6, verse 17, ends that particular section with a question. After it's describing many ominous things coming to the earth, and uh, both heavenly events and earthly events of mass proportion and fear-inspiring. It says, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? And so when we flip over to 7, and again, not that these were divided by chapters and verses, but in the sense of this scroll, we see this statement being made that um, four angels are standing on the four corners, holding the four winds of the earth, and the wind shall not blow, nor on the earth, nor the sea, nor on any tree. Now, to lay this foundation not to hurt the earth or the sea until something takes place. And so we see this statement of verses four down through, uh, bear with me, eight, uh, describing the sealing of 144,000 or 12,000 each being sealed. And then it describes a great multitude that this uh, he beholds, which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, peoples, tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, crying out that Yeshua to our Elohim which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. What's fascinating about that, in so much descriptive language all throughout the Bhagavad is you have this statement of enduring to the end, being faithful, uh, receiving a crown, receiving a white robe that gives us a white robe. Whether it be of the sealed or of the great multitude, there's one fascinating thing about it. Because this cry is, in our hearts, blessing, glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to unto our Elohim forever and ever. And one of these elders asked, so, well, so which are these so, um, arrayed in white robes? Where'd they come from? He says, well, I don't know. Well, you, you would know. Right? So, so he says, therefore... These are they that are before the throne of Elohim, serving him day and night in his temple. And all the indication we get from scripture is we are the temple. He that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. 
this we're experiencing now. We'll have greater fulfillment and real deliverance as the time goes into this, just like when you think of um, when Yasharel was in bondage in Egypt. You know, to the Egyptians, this isn't a good message to those who stayed loyal to Pharaoh, to those who aligned themselves with that arm. Not a good message, but to his people, miraculous deliverance. But he was showing them all along the way. He already longed for that deliverance way in advance. And the prophets that go all the way back to something event that happened way before they were ever in bondage. So we're receiving the same thing. He's telling us not only what's coming up for us, that we can raise our heads erect, but we're experiencing it by the power of the Ruach in us now. Because we didn't come to this. It came to us. We say amen to it. We're in agreement. The Spirit's teaching. The Ruach teaching us. And so it's so wonderful that when I read in 16, where it says... We are the ones that are doing this each and every day, night and day. It says they hunger no more. Well, we don't hunger for that spiritual food. We have truth. We don't thirst anymore. We have the Ruach. This, these things of uh, this satanic light, whatever, whatever, all this stuff beating down, we're not experiencing that. We're going to be delivered through this. Even if it means our lives, that's deliverance. That's an amen of glory. And so in conclusion with that, it says, why? Because the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And Elohim shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So we'll be experiencing tears in the future, all wiped away. But right now, in this transition, if you will, this transitionary period, the Ruach cries out itself, Abba, Father, in us. And we're all being taught by that Ruach, and we're sharing our experience and revelation with it. What a wonderful thing. Isn't that glorious goodness? Just wanted to lift up that word to everyone. Yeah, excellent. Excellent, Angelo. Thank you for thank you for that feedback. And that is a wonderful thing. And I think you really kind of summarized where we are today. I think you hit the nail right on the head. <clears throat> We're going to be delivered. No matter what. We're going to be delivered. Amen. That's the truth of it. Thank you. Angela. Amen. Okay, Richard, how are you? Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom. Yes. Uh I've been hearing a lot of discussion about uh, the day 1290 days and 1335 days. If I may shed some light on what I've discovered or had to be discovered. Um, you mentioned earlier about the... Let's do Daniel, it. Let's do you mentioned it. Dan okay. You mentioned Daniel uh, 1210 or 1211, where it talks about from the daily to the... Uh, to the abomination of desolation shall be 1290 days. I think that daily is in reference to Daniel chapter 8, where it says the little horn will take away the daily for 20 or the 2300 day, 2300 eatings and morning sacrifices. And then, of course, it will be reinstated at uh, uh, day 1150. Reason why is because that's a day of atonement, because the temple will be cleansed. And from there, uh, then you have the little horn raining till day 1260. Again, Daniel, and again in Revelation. And uh, from there, from what I can see, is that uh, after 1260, little horn will be uh, killed and by the people that put him in power in the first place. And the people that put him in power will reign a little while, which leads us to from 1260 to day 1290. 
that's when the abomination of desolation comes down. And I believe that's what uh, in uh, Matthew 24 and Mark 13, where they refer to the Great Tribulation. When that happens, that's when they should flee into the mountains. And then 45 days later, day 1335, that's the end of uh, basically the tribulation period. That's when Messiah comes. And this is basically what happens is most people are, uh, refer to Daniel chapter 8, chapter 10 and 11 to the history, historicity of man's on earth. And instead of listening to Daniel chapter 8, clearly says interpretation from the angel Gabriel to Daniel that it's clearly in the end days. So I think there's a lot of throwing around when we think about when the days are. And when you think about the, like I said, when the 2300 evenings and morning sacrifice are reinstated and judgment is called, which is a day of atonement, that gives you a set point in time of how it's going to flow. And somebody mentioned uh, between the APV plus that it was going to, it says it's about 1,330 days. Well, the way it looks like is if you follow the Day of Atonement, you have a couple of Day of Atonement with that timeline, and you have the 1335th day with a restored calendar of 30 days a month, falling, let's say, on the first fruits. So, it's quite a bit of that. Well, that's a good revealing. That's a good revealing. Now, I, I did post up a couple things on the uh, the uh, Shabbat group. And it's called the appointed time or appointed days and times of Daniel and Revelation. And also, uh, basically, the other one is called, I think, uh, as a, what is it? The, um, I can't remember the title. But the Olivet, resolving the Olivet Discourse. So those are two studies I put together for anybody who wants to look at them. Yeah, what, what I'm, what I'm looking at. Have you put the? Uh, did you put up a link on the chat? Uh no, I didn't put it. It's in the Shabbat group, Sefer Shabbat group. Okay. Yeah, they're both there. Okay, so guys, it's time for a song. <laughs> Never going to get to Elizabeth. There you go. Sitting under power into the ancient of days. Heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Bow at your glory. Worship it. Something is now. Your kingdom shall be over all the earth. Sinking 
Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Bow before the children of For none can compare to your matchless word. Every time Oh, ancient of days. Ooh, that guitar needs a tuning. Woo! Okay. So, so much for the song. All right. Let's get on to somebody else's opinion. Elizabeth, there are you. Good job. Hey. I, I have just my my mic on, not my picture. Okay. Um, that's okay. Um, So, I have, I have a, a prayer request prayer request it's actually kind of two but anyway um i started experiencing flashing lights on the right side of my eye my right eye and floaters um doctor says it's a vitreous detachment and that it's normal you know everybody's pretty much going to go through it um there sometimes there's a complication most of the time there isn't um and so I'm asking for just prayer for that because there's, I've actually have quite a few little floaters, like little, it looks like little spiders and gnats and stuff. Um, but Monday I have a, um, it's called EIPA. It's a, it's an assessment of signing skills. Um, and it'd be really nice if I, if, uh, if, you guys could pray for me to do well and that these little floaters won't interfere um, because you notice these things and it kind of takes your concentration a little bit. Um, but also just, just for blessings um, on my assessment on Monday. Okay. Um, I yeah. would... So the EPIA, did you say? Yeah, it's, it's for educational interpreters. It's uh, just an assessment of skills um and and i've been working mostly with life skills type students so the language has not been as um um challenging as i would have liked it well you because, need to hang out with us then you can do sign language into russian maybe a little hebrew yeah i know a little bit of russian i don't know any hebrew <laughs> well elizabeth did i ever tell you about the um there was this mayor in Sicily and he was just screaming at his people because they weren't oh. obeying his lockdown orders. Right. Uh -huh. So he was, you know, he was lecturing everybody and behind him, there was an Italian uh, sign language translator. And so uh -huh. he was giving us a sign language, but it was stuff like, <laughs> but you could clearly understand what was being said <laughs> yeah that's that's like uh the funeral in in africa when you had the sign language interpreter he he was not interpreting i he was off off a million miles i don't we don't know what he was doing but <laughs> he, was, he was giving he was giving you the the extra verses out of tolstoy's war and peace right yeah okay well we will pray for you elizabeth and also double check 
there is, uh, uh, you know, you should double check on the Telegram pages because there are lots of natural remedies that are proposed for even things like you're talking about with your eyes. But we do have other people with eye issues in the group. We're going to pray for that for uh, for everybody. Okay. okay. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll pray for that. Dr. P. Yeah. Manuka honey for the eye. Aloe vera for the eye. And castor oil for the eye. Yes. Um, what was the first one you recommended, Raina? Manuka. Manuka honey, oh, honey for the eye. Manuka. Manuka honey. Okay. And then aloe vera and... For the eye. Mm -hmm. Castor oil. But there are eye drops that you can get with castor oil that are uh, virgin or something or organic. Or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You can get all that organic. Yes. Just don't go put castor oil in your eye unless it's the one you can get good. Right. So you have to research that. Up and right. Life, we like to do it the tough way. We just use 1040. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it has to be for, it has to be for the eye. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Manuka right. honey will also bleach. Uh, I mean, change the color of your eyes too. Like, like if you have uh, green eyes, it can change your eyes to blue, and if you have brown eyes, it can change them lighter to green if you keep using it, just because it's got a natural peroxide in it. No, oh, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. fascinating uh, stuff. All remedies that are good to hear, and remember, Yah has solutions for all of our health problems. Yeah. Something to think about. Okay. All right. So let's go Thank to our good friend who's showed up by her code number, 993578. <laughs> Hi. Yes. Hi, Dr. P. Hi. I just managed to uh, put my hand up. You know, I've been trying to look for the icon for many, many Shabbats. Even today, I was uh, not, not, not having success, but finally I got it. So I would like to thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. Because I uh to thank you for all that um you have taught me all these years. Uh, but I have a <clears throat> special request is that you pray for my daughter Jade. Pray for what? My daughter, my eldest daughter Jade. Oh. Uh, yeah, she's been uh lost for, I mean, she's not lost, but she's out on the streets uh, since uh, for 11 years till now. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's, she, time to, she, it's time to come in from the cold. The prodigal daughter. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah we'll, be, we'll be happy to pray for her. We're, so we're going to pray for the children, including the children that are over 21. Huh? <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. What? By the way, what's your name? Stacy. 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 Yes. Okay. I'm from Malaysia. You're from where? Malaysia. Oh, Malaysia. Are you in Malaysia now? Yeah, I'm in Malaysia now. Are you in, uh, what's the name of it? Um, KL? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the big city. Yes, big city. Multiracial. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, mm. I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear we have a representative from Malaysia. It's nice to meet you in person and we will be happy to pray. Thank you. Okay. All right. Let's okay. not forget to pray for Shane, please. Yeah, uh, Shane. Yeah, of course. We'll pray for Shane. Yeah, of course. Okay. And then also, uh, let's go to Habitie. Habitie, are you there? 
Yes. Habitude. Comment ça va? Oh, you little language master. <laughs> anyway, um, I wanted to get back to Yom Kippur. Yeah. And, you know, on Rosh Hashanah, we, we, we refer to the king of the universe. And, yeah, right, um, right. Melech HaOlam, right? Huh? Melech HaOlam. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and we find, you know, Paul referring to uh, the father as our savior. Right. And he also, you know, states that his commission is from the is from the father, our savior. OK. Right. And so, so it's it's. Uh, uh, you know, we, we're to seek forgiveness in a fresh start. Uh, from. The father, our savior on Yom Kippur. And so the word we, uh, I was just had brought to my forefront of my thoughts uh, that um, in 1666, William Blackstone, hmm. it's the first time I can ever see the word person defined in law. And, hmm. it's, and it's defined as someone that's born in the billy of a statue. And then we come along to the Napoleonic Code in 1803, and we see that Napoleon, for the first time, uses the word resident. And and, and that's three words, res, id, dent. Yeah, res, i, dent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's property of the state. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, the race is a thing, right? A thing. Yeah, it's, I know that. Res is a thing, yes. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, I do know that. Oh, but for everybody else, please, you know, elaborate if you wish. Well, I mean, it's the Latin doctrine. It's a common law doctrine. But the idea of res ident, uh, it is a thing in servitude. Right. Like it, it, like so it, if you identify it, yourself as a person, like on a bank, on, like on a bank contract, it says I am a U.S. person. But but think about this for a second. When you talk about identified, you're saying I uh, align myself as a servant because you got the same you've got the same e-dent in both words right and e-dent is dentured right indentured servant Res, okay indentured okay. that's what resident is thing in servitude yeah but unfortunately they've used that against everybody oh sure and of course you know, I mean, and so, so apparently that. napoleon was the head of the illuminati are you aware of that uh no but that doesn't surprise me I yeah mean, not he was. Formed in 1776 and the french revolution happened in 1789 what well, he rose to power in 1801 as the mayor of france and then eventually declared himself emperor right okay yeah and but i didn't know he was illuminati but that doesn't surprise me and of course yeah. you know and of course while we talk about this let's just share with you know, i'll tell you what, what i've become concerned with is that I think we had Illuminati forces in the shaping of the secular state in the United States. Of course, we, big we, time. We had, you know, we had. Uh, I mean, Washington, uh, Jefferson and Hamilton, they were all basically uh, bar attorneys of the crown. And that was definitely, you know, Illuminati. That was black nobility. That was, you know, the Venetian bankers. That was, you know. Yep. And the Venetian bankers were, of course, 
And again, this is, again, we get into kind of an interesting history here because, you know, the word okay. came out of Venice, right? And right. They had what year? 325? No, no. Ghetto was formed much later. And the ghettos in Venice were in the 1400s. No, but I'm talking about the Venetian banker. Yeah, the Venetian bankers didn't begin until uh, uh, past the 500 ADs. And when you oh, talk really? about, oh yeah, and, and really the Venetian bankers, when you look at that whole banking community, there's so much, and I think this is something that is indicative for something we need to consider here as a group. Which And is, are they not the IMF today? Um, well, hold on, we'll get to that in just a second. Okay. Because banking, international banking, really began with the Knights Templar. And, 1200. Uh, yeah, and I am convinced that the Knights Templar, uh, well, you know, they invented the city of Glastonbury in in uh, Somerset, uh, Britain. That was virtually all of that uh, mythology that comes out of Glastonbury was all invented by the Knights Templar about Arthur and Guinevere being buried there and about Joseph of Arimathea being buried there. They all invented, they invented it to raise money and mm. Templar mythology. And so the Templars, they claimed that they had secured Jerusalem, which I'm not so sure that they had, but they had built a fortress in Akko. And that fortress is there today. Now, it's interesting when you go to that fortress because the sea levels were lower then. The sea levels were lower. And Akko is living proof that the sea levels were lower then. And because you can go to that temple right now and you go down into the fortress, you're down below sea level, right? You're 40 feet below sea level when you get into that Knights Templar fortress. So the sea level was lower at that time. And what they would do is they kept telling people, we're going to resecure the Holy Land for Christendom. We have to take it away from the Muslim. We have to resecure the Holy Land. And so people would be making a pilgrim pilgrimage out of Europe to the Holy Land. Well, as they did, they would get stuck up on the road by robbers. Well, guess who the robbers were? They were Knights Templar. You know, well, you know, if you don't want to get stuck up on the road, you need to buy a letter of credit in Paris, or you need to buy a letter of credit in London, or a letter of credit in Lucerne or something. And then we'll cash in your letter of credit when you get to Akko. And so this began the letter of credit idea, which was formed by Knights Templar. Now, when the Knights Templar were destroyed by Henry I, well, he, they didn't destroy him, but Henry I had 32 of them executed because he found out they were the largest landowner in Europe. And so by killing the leadership of the Knights Templar, he could seize their property, which, he's, which he did. And the Pope that had excommunicated the Templars, because they were worshipers of Baphomet, by the way, of the Baphomet, when, when uh, he excommunicated him, the Pope was dead in four months, and the king, Henry I, died before the Pope did. The Templars killed both of them. And then the Templars dispersed, and they dispersed into two areas. One went into Scotland, where they formed the Masonic Order of the uh, uh, Scottish Rite and Masonic Order. And the others went to Switzerland, where they formed the banking community. And the banking community is, is governed out of Basel, Switzerland. And that is the Bank of International Settlements. And that is a Knights Temple organization. And all the banking, whether you're talking about the Rothschild banks out of Britain, or you're talking about the Rockefeller banks out of the U.S., all those banks are filtered through that Bank of International Settlements in Switzerland. And they govern the SWIFT system, which for the first time is under scrutiny because of the rise of the BRICS. 
And so, so most of the banking came out, most of the international banking and banking theory, which includes fractionalized banking, all of that started with the Knights Templar. And so when you get to what happened in Venice with Venetian bankers, the Venetian doges realized that under the Catholic Church, under the tenets of uh, the um, the protocols of the Council of Constant, uh, Constantinople, I think Constantinople one, usury was prohibited to be charged inside of Christendom. You could not attach interest to money, period. And so the exception was then made. Jewish bankers, on the other hand, aren't Christians. Therefore, they can, they can uh, use usury. And so the Jewish bankers were given permission. In fact, I believe that the Catholic Church created Jews in order to move money. And so you saw Jews appear in, in um, Torino, you saw them appear in Florence, and you saw them appear in Venice. And the Jews, and in all three cases, these were bankers, but they were using what we what we would call street banking, i.e., they used pawn shops. What we would call a pawn shop back then was street banking, and that was the kind of banking policies they used. So once you married pawn shops with international transaction like letters of credit and so forth you end up you come up with the modern bank and the the jews that were in the ghetto in torino were absolutely fabulously wealthy but they had to live in this discreet little neighborhood that they called the ghetto one way in one way out same thing in venice one way in one way out and they looked like they were living in modest homes but the Jews in Torino proceeded to put together their money and they built the single largest building in all of Europe, which was a Jewish synagogue. And when they realized once they had it completed that it was a synagogue and it was the largest building in Europe, they said, well, we don't dare put the Star of David on it because then they're going to know how rich we are. So they donated it to the city. And to this day, it's a museum. So at any rate, when you talk about these kinds of these kinds of ideas, you know, you're looking at the, you know, the the enslavement of mankind. I mean, look, the necktie is a noose around your neck. You have a collar on the top of your shirt. A collar is what's used for a slave. You have handcuffs on the end of your sleeve. A cuffs is where you is how you lock up a slave. You know, you've got a belt around your waist. This kind of clothing is done specifically to mark you and to let you know that you are in fact in servitude. And so becoming a free man begins with Shabbat. And uh, so uh, other than that, I think, uh, uh, I, I guess that's what I have to say on the issue. Well, what about what you said that you think the, the Vatican uh, made up the Jews? Now, yeah. When you said, you remember saying that at all? Yeah, I think they did. I think what they- So they, what Jews are that? Talmudic Jews? Uh, well, they weren't really Talmudic Jews. I mean, the, you had you had a Jewish community that existed in Spain, right? The Sephardic Jews. Yeah, and but the, were they not were they not Talmudic? They were Talmudic, yeah. But were, but were they Babylonian Talmudic? I don't think so. I think they were Yerushalmi Talmudic. In the Sephardic, what is that? The Yerushalmi Talmud was the Talmud that existed right around the first century, around the time of Mashiach. This was the school that Paul was trained in was the Yerushalmi Talmud. So it had a, it had a, a, a Mishnah. And if I recall- Did that emanate, did that emanate from the Maccabees or uh, the Hashemitean uh, Empire? Yes, it, it, it emanated from the Maccabees. It was a Maccabee okay. creation that began with Hillel the Elder and Samai the Elder. 
and they created the 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 Yerushalmi Talmud, which was a small a uh, small book, much smaller than the Babylonian Talmud. But they did have a Mishnah, which is the oral law written down, and they did have a Gemara, which was rabbinical opinion. But the Mishnah, I believe, the Mishnah was in Aramaic, and the Gemara was in Hebrew. And uh, so, and so, this was the Yerushalmi Talmud, and it's a much smaller work. And when you get when you leave the Yerushalmi Talmud, then you start adding Akiva, you start adding Yochai, and then of course, uh, then you get into the Babylonian Talmud, and then that Babylonian Talmud to the modern Talmud is expanded radically by Maimonides, a Sephardi Jew uh, living in Spain, right? And mm-hmm. the Sephardis, I think the Sephardis were actually using the Yerushalmi Talmud because the Babylonian Talmud came to rise in Central Europe, the land of Ashkenaz, in the 1200s. And that was with the work of Shem Tov. And Shem Tov would introduce essentially rabbinical Judaism premised upon the Babylonian Talmud. And so the Babylonian Talmud was mostly a Central European doctrine. And so you had Sephardi Jews, and of course, Spain was extremely extremely wealthy with the Jewish practices in Spain and in Portugal. And then once the church moved in in, in the 1400s, late 1400s under Ferdinand and Isabella, when they enacted the Alhambra Decree, casting the Jews out of Spain on the 9th of Av in 1492, they lost a whole boatload of wealth, and more importantly, they lost their wealth managers. And so the church was recognizing this, and they were recognizing it the hard way that they needed to have Jewish bankers uh, in Italy in order to facilitate funding. Because otherwise, it was the same static dark ages that it had been forever. Nobility, you know, taxing the poor, the poor living on a farm, uh, drinking eight you know, gallons of ale a day. And then the warriors running around trying to get down to the Holy Land. That was essentially what was going on. When you get to the building of the Doma in Florence under the Medici, you begin to see the rise of of financing packages. Anytime you see a high-rise building, that is evidence that there is usury attached to money. How would I find a way to research this? Oh boy, there's it, it's uh, there's a ton of stuff you're going to have to look to. There's a ton, oh. absolute ton of stuff. But if you go back and you look to um, look to the foundation of the ghetto in in uh, Vienna, uh, excuse me, in Venezia, and uh, and see what they have to say. You'll get some history there, and also uh, the rise of the Jewish community in Torino. Now, ultimately, these Jews, most of those Jews, there's still Jews living in those communities. But most of those Jews left and moved into Greece. They moved into Thessaloniki. And that was the population that was ultimately wiped out by the Germans in World War II. They took uh, about 38,000 Jews out of uh, Thessaloniki and uh, executed them. So, uh, so, anyways. So going back to the Yom Kippur and um, our... our uh, having the king of the universe who, who's granted us life and sustained us and enabled us to reach this occasion. Uh, we come to, uh, I guess it was Abraham, when he referred, uh, uh, let me see my note here. Oh, uh, called it a mountain.
called what about him? Um, I guess he, I guess it was the day of atonement. He called it a mountain. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It's a is mountain. that right? Does that sound right? It doesn't sound right to me, but if, but if it, if it is so, uh, you know, I'd have to go and see the passage exactly so I could tell you what's going on there. But I can tell you that when we talk about Yom Kippur and we talk about the salvation in our father. Yes. You That's what I'm mostly interested in. I mean, doesn't that does that emanate from the grace in Abraham? Uh, there was grace for Abraham. That's true. There was grace for, and there was grace for Moshe too. But when you talk about the word "our Father" Avinu, this appears in Divrei Hayamim Rishon, First Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine, with the prayer of David, and the prayer of David is where he is very clear that our Father is Yahweh Elohai. Because he, it, the passage reads in Hebrew, Baruch Atah, Yahweh Elohai Yasharel, Avinu Olam Vad Olam. So this is, you know, but blessed are you, Yahweh, the Elohim of Yasharel, our Father forever and ever. Now, you can say Avinu Olam. If you say Avinu Olam, that would be our father of the universe. Because when you talk about king of the universe in the prayer, Porukata Adonai Melech Olam, that, you know, king of, that's described as king of the universe. But it, but Olam can be described as universe, but also forever. So, so Melech Olam, king forever. King of eternity is another way to look at it. King of eternity. So here we see Barukata Yahweh Elohai Yasharel Avinu Olam Vad Lolam. So blessed are you, Yahweh, our Elohai, our Father uh, forever and ever. And so this and this is a beautiful prayer, by the way, of David, and it is the foundation of the Our Father prayer found in the New Testament. So but also, things. but also David's prayer that was plagiarized in New Testament, correct? Well, plagiarized. I mean, that's a modern world now, isn't it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> See, given is is closer to it. I think that the prayer was actually given by Yosha, and then it, he gave the whole prayer, and it was redacted in the New Testament by New Testament translators. Mm. There's some miraculous stuff in that prayer. I mean, absolutely. So. So was so did David use the words our father? Yes, he used the word our father. Who art in heaven? Uh well here. What, I mean, what's that's the real story on that? Oh, wait a minute. Let me I'm gonna read you, I'll read you the whole prayer. And then yes, he does make that reference. He does make that reference. But uh let me let me just get to the prayer here and I'll read it to you. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, because this prayer is it's extremely important. I mean, I've heard people like uh, I've heard commentators try to say, oh, there's no our father in the, there's no our father in the uh in the old testament yes there is there absolutely is and uh, let me see if I can brother get... while you're looking that up i raised my hand for a question that re is relating to what you're talking about yeah, sure, but um this is something that's been on my mind was that your 10 devarim class it's almost over and it was so excellent and you're going over all these questions that all these people ask you because it's so in depth the 10 commandments yeah we and have, we my have in my class, haven't we? It, you go over everything 
I mean, it's absolutely an amazing course. So my suggestion is after we're finished, you have all the course material, right? I suggest you consider for this class another live class with new students because everything that uh, you know, they're asking you discuss in such detail, the usury, everything. Alicia, the name. Alicia yes. don't we have, have access to those same classes once it's over in an archive that you can go over? The, yes, go over? yes, you could. So what would the new, what would the new class uh, be? be? Well, same thing the, the live interaction with the people okay. uh, is awesome. Oh. But yeah, yes, you could watch it without. Live interaction is pretty cool. I'm really, I, you know, I really enjoy the classes. I mean, I really do. I'm sorry I'm taking a break. It is the time. best class, brother. It is the best class. But yeah, I don't know. Just give it thought. That's all. We've had so So much. can we have a community Yom Kippur prayer together? Well, let's let's say this. Let me say this prayer for us, okay? Here we go. Okay. This is from David, okay? Okay. And then when we're done with this prayer then you guys can take a look and, and see if if he has said who art in heaven, okay? Okay. This is the English translation. Blessed be you, Yahweh Elohai of Yasharel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Yahweh, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Yahweh, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of you, and you reign over all, and in your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our Elohim, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of you and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as were our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow and there is none abiding. O Yahweh Eloheinu, all this store that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name comes of your hand and is all of your own. I know also, my Elohim, that you try the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy your people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto you. O Yahweh Elohai of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yasharel, our fathers, Guard this forever in the imagination of the thought of the heart of your people and prepare their heart unto you and give unto Shalomah, my son, a perfect heart to guard your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes and to do all these things and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. And, yeah, and David said to all the assembly, now bless Yahweh Elohekim, and all the assembly blessed Yahweh Elohai of their fathers, bowed down their heads, and worshipped Yahweh. And is that First Corinthians? Is that uh, First Chronicles chapter twenty-nine? Yeah, First Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, beginning at verse ten. Ten. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? That was wonderful. You're such a great reader. 
You know, I, I, I've got to tell you this, this, I mean, you're unbelievable. When I discovered this prayer, I, asked, Oh, I love that. I mean, my, I just fell in love with grace to the nth degree by you reading that. Yeah. It's just, it's a remarkable prayer and it's a prayer for us today. It is a prayer for us today because it certainly is. Let us bless him and, and let him, let us bless him for we are strangers and sojourners and on our, our days on the earth are as there is none abiding. And so, and so it is. So, well, I want to thank you. I want to thank you there, Jacob. Thanks for your input on, on this today. And thanks for your inquiring mind. There's many questions thank you. that have to be, you know, that have to be answered. And I want to thank Alicia. Thank you, sister, for your, your recommendation on the 10 Devarim class. Absolutely. We've, we've had some, we've had some absolutely, uh, we've had some, we've had some uh, classes that have just been a lot of fun. I hate when for does it, it to end? end. I hate you, for it to end. <laughs> when when does it end? Well, we're we're right now we're fifty six lessons in and we're on the eighth commandment. Wow. Okay. So it's been that kind so of it's still it's still pretty active. Yeah. So we're probably going to be we probably have another. I'm going to estimate that we've got probably another twenty classes to complete before we're done. Can you join us at any time? I've been fascinated about this. this. Yeah, yeah. You can join anytime. Yeah, you just go to Sefer Academy and, and join up. And then once you join up, you can get back access to the older videos. And oh, wow. So we've got a lot. And you have to join up with like a credit card? You can do it with a credit card, yeah. But yeah. Can you do it without a credit card? Uh, that's going to be kind of hard to do. It's a paid academy. But I can tell you, I'm my my team is you know, kind of suffering and we're kind of, we're on a very scant budget because it's, let's just say that it's, you know, we're not charging an arm and a leg for this class. You know, it's like, I think it's, what's, the, what's the charge by the way, it's like $42 a month. Okay. Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. To me. And how, how, how long will it um, go through like two months now or two uh, months it's, more? It's going to be probably a little longer than that because we're dealing, like I say, we deal with the, I can't really tell you for sure because I just teach it as it goes. But yeah, um, when it's live interaction, it can go longer. <laughs> that can go longer, bit. yeah, because we do have yeah. feedback. We well, if you join it. now, you get access to the previous lessons. Yes. Or they're separate cost. No. Okay. Forty, you would. But yeah. you can send a check too, probably. Yeah. Okay. Check too, yeah, but but just check on the website, and that all your questions will be answered. But yeah, and you guys that are, that have inquiring minds that are very interested in more detailed instruction. I mean, we get into the details. I'm not kidding yet. We get into the details. What nights do you do this, Doctor P? Is it a certain one night a week, or how many nights a week? You know, we have it. Uh, we have it scheduled. Uh, the schedule is there on Sefer Academy. Each class is one day a week. It's one hour a week uh, for each class. There are no tests, although some students have received an F. No, I'm just kidding. No, we don't have any. We don't have any. <laughs> We don't have any grades. That we <laughs> Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments is on Wednesday at noon Pacific, <laughs> and then Ancient of Days is another class that is phenomenal. Wow! Uh, What's that uh, about? That's about the. We started out with the antediluvian history. Really? Test in Scripture. Yeah, and we we're up now to the birth of Esau and Yaakov. That's where we just. Wow! Yeah. I put a link in the chat to Sefer Academy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you can just you know just drop into Sefer Academy and like I say, uh, Eileen 
gave a great recommendation for the music appreciation class. It's called For the Love of Melody. And uh, we have a few people there, Mary and Eileen are there and some other people. And uh, we have been having a, it's such a great, I, I love that class. We sit in that class and listen to music and talk over music ideas. And it's been absolutely fantastic. And for anybody who has not been in that class, you can sign up for the class and go back and review our last classes. We just finished up, uh, a, we've restarted critical thinking. And in the critical thinking class, we just finished introduction to epistemology this month. And then when I get back, we're going to be breaking into introduction to logic, where we deal with logical syllogisms and syllogistic thought. And then we'll be finished that, which is, I think it's going to be two months for, for us to get through that. Then we go into logical fallacies, which is the favorite course, my favorite course of all time. They're just an absolute blast to teach as we, uh, as we dig out examples of logical fallacies, because it's just it's amazing what you see. I mean, after teaching logical fallacies, I went back and listened to one commentator whose names whose name will not be mentioned here. Wow. But I listened to one of his open opening dissertations, and it was, I think, nine fallacies right in a row. And we're like, OK, all right. And uh, we also have, for those of you who are interested in Hebrew, Shell Wagner did a class on the audio, the Paleo-Hebrew, which is a very good class if you want to learn the elements of the And I also did an extensive class on understanding the Hebrew alphabet and the Nikudot and how to read Hebrew. So if you, if you know, you can, you can get that class too. It's a very good, that class is a very good instruction. We had a really good time in that class too. So all of and that all of this is on your site. Every bit you can you can find it, what you're saying. Yeah, Sephir Academy, Sephiracademy. it's all there. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm I'm just I'm I'm, I'm just like I'm, I'm beside myself. This is phenomenal. What a blessing. Wow. Jacob should have been in the common law, but <laughs> it's you know it's almost oh, yeah. over. Yeah, well, yeah, I've been teaching the common law too. Yeah, <laughs> that's been very interesting because we've had that has been a very interesting class. We started out with, uh, of course. Uh, some ideas in English common law, but we also have dealt with the beginning of ecclesiastical law. And so we've gone back to the, to the and, you know, all of that, the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Constantinople, the Council of Laodicea. We've looked at the Justinian Code, the Corpus Juris Civilis, and some of the foundational ideas underlying the common law. You'd love the class, Jacob, if you were in that class. They just yeah. mentioned right Magna Carta in a, in a lawsuit or uh, uh, they, they brought up Magna Carta in yeah. a lawsuit I'm following. Yeah. And guess what? Magna Carta is still applicable to the extent we make it applicable. And, mm -hmm. you know, and again, and, and now we're in the, in, uh, in, hold on a second, a little feedback. In Kamala, we're looking at the, um, we're looking at the writings of Jean Baudin and six essays on the Commonwealth. And when we finish up Jean Baudin, we are going to be looking at some of the other legal foundation writers like Thomas Hobbes and John Locke. And then we're going to be dealing with uh, some of the modern jurisprudence and what happened when we moved away from absolute law and the switch into stare decisis and some of the other mitigation that has taken us away from a clear understanding and how, how that has changed the common law. So that's what's going on there, guys. So... Thank you for bringing this up. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, sister. Thank you, Jacob, for your comments. And I want to thank all you guys. So let's pray before we go. Let us say a prayer and lift up this day for Yom Kippur. 
and to lift up our hearts once again and to pray for the beloved among us. So we begin by saying, Father, hear our prayers. We lift it to you now. In all things are, are held in your hand. You give life and you take it away. You wound and you heal. And Father, we pray for the healing now of the brothers and sisters. We pray for those who are suffering damage with their eyes, whether it be Raina or Stephanie or Elizabeth or David or whoever may be challenged with the challenges in their eyes, Father, that you would restore to complete health and that you would give us remedies other than pharmacia and other than the the uh, the system of uh, the Asclepius. Father, we want to lift up the health of Shane Nock again before you, that you would also uh, come to this brother now, Father, and show him your face and your hand of kindness. May your benevolence be upon him and your healing touch be with him, Father. We, we lift up in accordance with the request, Father, the children before you, Father. We lift up the children. We lift up those children first who are over the age of 21 and who should know better, but have yet have had a difficult time growing up into getting in, into maturity. Father, we pray that first of all, we would provide a better environment that our economy would heal, that they might have opportunities like we had when we were young. We pray also that they would be able to address the regimens of this life as difficult as they may be, that they can stand with strength and sobriety to walk away from the temptations of the world and to be a child in your garden. Father, we pray for those under 21 that you would care for them, Father. It is written that those who do damage to those children, better for them to have a millstone put around their neck and cast in the middle of the ocean. But Father, we pray that you would bring out such a millstone for those who are harming the children right now and cast them into the middle of the ocean, even as we speak. May they have no further words or any activity at all to harm further children in this world, Father. And we pray for those who have a heart of murder as well, that you would mitigate the heart of murder. Those who in their hearts say, kill this guy, kill that guy, kill the other guy. May their hearts be mitigated, Father. May those who speak murder without repentance experience the fruit of their own harvest. Father, we pray for the peace of the, for the peace of the earth. We pray that these situations would be resolved and people would come to the table and say, you know, funny thing, we were brothers who used to eat dinner together. Let us do so again. So, Father, we want to look at And in us, Father, we pray that you would hear our prayers, Father, and that uh, as we lift up our prayers to you, that you would search our souls now, that we would search with you. You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and to, to look through our own lives and just whether or not we have engaged in or whether or not we have harmed or been harmed or are harming and that you would give us the opportunity to repent fully from those sins and heal us with your Ruach HaKodesh, that you would bless us with righteousness and a spirit of righteousness, that we would stand with eternity in correct alignment with your word. Father, be with us even coming through the day of atonement, that your blessing would be upon us. We glorify your name and lift it up that we might be able to bless it again, that your name might be upon us and that we would be a blessing in your name and a light under the world on behalf of you. Father, we thank you for this day and for this time and for this Shabbat meeting. Glory be to your name. Baruch atah Yahuwah Elochai Yasharel Avinu Olam Vad Olam. I'd like to pray for you too.
Yes, Alicia. Okay. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise your mighty and glorious name. And we ask for your mercy to be upon our brother, that you give him and his wife, Stephanie, a safe journey, yeah, that there will be no fear and that all will go well and it'll be a victorious and a glorious uh, trip for your glory to learn things of your great name. We ask for peace and safety and for uh, the love of your Ruach to just fill him and Stephanie, guide them and keep them healthy and safe. Father, we praise your name for it. In Yahusha HaMashiach, we pray. Amen. Agreed. Amen. Amen. Agreed. And if you look in the chat, you can see the codes for the 30th September and the 7th October. They're there now, the Zoom link. Otherwise, go to the Eating While Honey website and it will be on there. Thank, hey, you. thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. Safe oh, travels, Dr. P. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. P. Dr. P. Yes. Let's pray for Jessica Knock, please. That Yam would oversee and that to give her a calmer heart and. Uh, that everything will go well according to his will and uh, she'll she'll be over whatever, you know. That, that, to have his peace. That the peace that surpasses all understanding would be upon her and, her and keep her family safe and well in these times. Let no arrow come upon her from any foreign adversary, that they all would be deflected and that she would be able to walk peacefully and safely. And, and also, while well, we pray for Jesse and her family and, and Catherine's family, that David and Jonathan would both be blessed and kept, and Stuart and Angela also, that they would, yeah. yes. person would be upon them and take care of them, and, mm -hmm. and little Izzy, that she would also be cared for. We also yeah. pray for our brother Paul Barry and yeah. Britain and, uh, and Cheryl while they're there, that the kingdom would be edified by them and that they would be blessed, mm -hmm. well-kept, and healthy during this whole trip. Maybe yes. lift up our prayers daily when we are there. Lift up our prayers mm -hmm. daily when we are there. I also want to pray for the brothers and sisters in Wales, including Elaine and, and uh, John and uh, Shane Stokes yeah. and others. Yes. And of course, the family of Ross Broadstock. Also, mm -hmm. keep them and bless them and let them know that you care for them, Father, in many ways. And the brothers and sisters in Ireland, including uh, Jessica Dubois and the Francis yeah. family. And the others yeah. that are in Dublin and, and in Belfast and, and and outside of Shannon and in Galway, and that the nation itself would also come under your mercy and under your direct care, Father. That no harm would yes. come to that to that nation, but healing instead. May the many faces of Ireland be united in the one name of Yahweh. Yes, Father. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Italy, Pietro and Monica, and uh, Esther and her daughter Esther. And also for Bruno and Carla and the family that you would also take care of them, Father, and bring a peace that, uh, upon Pietro and Monica that they know that you're with them walking through this valley uh, as the time comes upon Bruno and Carla, Father, that you would bless them and keep them and, and let them know that they are cared for. We pray for the brothers and sisters in Faro, Portugal, and Michael and his yes. family in that group, Father, that yes. you would bless them and prepare their hearts for a, a, a time of shalom. And a time yeah. coming in Sukkot, that it would be a time of wonder and a time of blessing. And for the brothers and sisters, Wesley and, and Femke and Miriam and those who are going to be meeting in Holland, yeah. and Jenny and Wim and her family, 
that uh, that uh, Father, that we, this would be a glorious time in Holland, and you would bless us and keep us and keep the enemy at bay at all times. We pray yes. for the brothers and sisters in South Africa, Chris and Melissa, yes. Yes. and James, Melissa's father. I also want to pray for, pray for Jerry Easton and his group, and I want to pray for Michelle and Robin Moeller and for Yolanda and her family and for the families that have gathered in Cape Town and the families that are from Kimberly and that you, Anita, and her family and the families that are gathered in Centurion and in Pretoria and those who live in the in the Transvaal, Father, that they would be kept safe now and that the heart of the government would change from violence to peace and they would rectify and they would reconcile themselves to their brothers and sisters in South Africa and that it would be a place of glory and that your, your name might come over that nation. Okay, Father, we lift these to you now in great glorification, Father. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you. For we also want to lift up the Orthodox Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, and the leader of that country. We ask for a battalion of angels to surround him, to surround them, and they're the only ones that seem to be upholding your, your moral code. So we just ask that that, that whole thing uh, becomes your burden uh, to protect us all through it. Agreed. Amen. Amen. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. Okay. Amen, brothers and sisters. So with that, I want to Amen. say thank you, guys. I love all of you guys. If I don't see you in the next Shabbat meeting, I still love you nonetheless. And I hope to see you guys again soon, okay? Baruch atah. Baruch Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Thank you. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Bye. 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 My sisters and brother. Blessings to you. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom.